Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, Tony, baby. You're a mess. Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. (laughs) Extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American tornado and the real princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Welcome back to Trend Lightly. I'm Molly McAleer, and I am joined, as always, by my beautiful, wonderful, one-year-older co-host, Tiffany <laughs> Scott Maddox. How you doing, babe? Oh, I'm doing really well. I think it's going to be a very gay week. It's going to be pretty gay? Yeah. It was Eurovision on Saturday. Oh, right. Which is the gayest night of the year in the United Kingdom. Is Eurovision gay? Eurovision is the gayest thing. I mean, have. it sounds kind of gay, but like, and it's cool because it's campy, right? Yes, very campy. A lot of, I don't know, there have been some interesting like gay moments at Eurovision and we've had kind of some interesting, uh, we've had some interesting acts over the years, but I think it is like the spectacle of it. It's very campy. I mean, it's where ABBA debuted Waterloo, I believe, was in Eurovision. So sure, it's a lot of sequins, a lot of glitter, a lot of campness, like everyone brings a degree of camp. I think what we don't necessarily love is when people do ballads, but there tends to be a very, very gay fan base, certainly in the UK is what it's, uh, is what it's known for. And uh, it was great. Me and Hannah had a great time. We watched the whole thing. It's four hours. I swear it used to be longer. Like it was actually pretty decent this year. Because it is like a marathon, not a sprint. So like you kind of, you have to have a lot of snacks. You have to have a lot of drinks. Like you have to like really prepare yourself mentally for what you're going to go through. And there's like a point usually midway through the night where you're like, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And then you kind of rally. So it's like a sporting event in that way. There was like, what are the highlights this year? Oh, there was um the finish act went down very, very well with the gays. And there was like this bit on stage where they were doing a dance where they had all of these like women in like pink spandex cap suits all kind of leaning on each other in a sort of like human centipede kind of situation on the stage. That was uh, cool. Okay. Where was that from? Finland. Finland. Okay. Russia Russia weren't allowed because they're naughty. They're warmongers. Ukraine was supposed to host it, but obviously they can't because of the war. So the UK was kind of a proxy host because uh, we came second last year, which was very unexpected. And then we came- No pity votes for Ukraine this year. No. And there were no fucking gratitude votes for the UK this year because <laughs> we were like second from the bottom, which I thought was actually very unfair. You thought it was good, like the UK, or you were just like, come on, give us something. Yeah, it was like, the song was not bad. It was kind of a bop. It's doing all right on TikTok. It's very like Dua Lipa light. Like there were many years where it was like the UK even trying and like, yeah, this year I thought it was kind of a bop. It was kind of a banger. But like, 
every country, right, gets to award points. And it's like between one and 12. And then there's juries. There's like the jury vote from each country. And then you have the like phone vote where everybody from the country kind of votes for their favorite act. I was very surprised that, and look, I don't want to be that guy, but I was very surprised that Ukraine didn't really give us any points, given that we were hosting an event for them. Like, like not to be kind of a cunt about it, but come on, guys. Like something, at least. Well, they probably don't have a lot of TV or something over there right now, right? No, I mean, I guess. But they have the jury. Like, the jury votes could have been in our favor. Like, something. Right. I think, so I uh, forget. Is it like a call-in mostly, or is it like a jury and call-in? Like, is it like idle? Where It's 50-50. It's 50-50. But the, the phone-in votes can be like very significant because that's where you suddenly will get like hundreds of points so the whole night kind of flips when the phone votes come in but like i don't know how the year of his jury works but i guess it's like a panel from each country that assigns like they're kind of the official panel they assign these 12 points and then that's all i don't know that's all 37 countries that do that even if because the there's only 26 acts that perform in the final but 37 countries vote because you might have been like knocked out or not entered or whatever. And then for some reason, Australia's in it. I don't know why, but they kind of came through with a banger. But it was a very camp night. Very, very I was going to say, is Russia even Europe? Yeah, I mean, we're playing fast and loose with like Eurovision, I guess. It was supposed to unite. I think it was called a song for Europe and it was supposed to unite Europe after the Second World War, I think. Or maybe I've made that up. And then gradually more and more countries kind of joined and now it's like its own thing. And I I always think what would happen if, if Australia won, not that they would, because like nobody really wants them there. Because it would be weird because they'd have to host it. Whereas at least in Europe, you can kind of travel to it. I don't know. It was fun though. Yeah, it would probably be, it would be like when like the Phillies or the Eagles like win or lose in Philly and they trash the city it's gonna be I I would imagine it would be something like that over in Europe but in every country (laughs) just trash cans flipped over street lights pulled down well when you were talking about this I you know I immediately I have YouTube open anyway and I had to search because I know whenever there's anything moments there's going to be a compilation. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I found Eurovision's gayest and sluttiest moments. Um, it's a top <laughs> 20 compilation. So I put that in the notes in case anyone wants to get a better grasp on it. Because I, I mean, truthfully, like I had heard of Eurovision before you told me about it. I, I just didn't, I kind of like thought it was maybe like, I don't know, like the Jerry Lewis telethon, which is like a telethon we used to have in the States that Jerry Lewis, the comedian, would host on PBS. And it would be like a weekend of like, and the Friends cast is here on the Jerry Lewis telethon. Mm. And like they'd come out and like wave or whatever. Um, And I think it was to benefit MS or something. Like I kind of thought it was like a thing where maybe some people in America would tune in. But for the most part, it was somewhat not newsworthy. But it appears that, you know, Eurovision's bigger than I could have ever imagined. Oh, it's huge. I mean, Daddy Freya, who are the Icelandic Eurovision entry that never got to perform because Eurovision didn't happen during that COVID year in 2020, who would have won like in a heartbeat. Their song, Think About Things, was like, went crazy on TikTok. Oh, people really? were doing like dance challenges. Yeah, it was the it's like the song that's like, baby, I can't wait too long. Why do I think about things? 
Like that one? Oh, that was, that was, oh, that would have definitely won. That's Mm -hmm. like, that's a huge TikTok song. That's like usually over some sort of montage of like, I don't know, I guess I could say like some people doing like extreme bro things (laughs) where it's like, I don't know, driving through mud puddles and like jumping over stuff. Like, I feel like that's usually what that song is set to, right? Or like maybe Mm -hmm. roller coaster rides, stuff like that. Yeah. And families were doing little dances to it during lockdown where they would kind of like pop up and kind of bop because it was like a very low impact, like anyone could do it dance. And it's apparently, you know, I think it's one of the greatest tragedies of our time that Daddy Freya never won or got a chance to win Eurovision. You know, that's an interesting point. I want to ask you this because you and I both, we talked about this. It's Mother's Day when we're recording this. We both talked about being the only children of single moms and some of the nuances of that relationship. And it's funny because I, especially when quarantine first started, I remember being like, I wish I had a big family that was really close because like all of these Mm -hmm. families would be doing stuff. And Mm -hmm. one day my mom and I were on the phone and she was emotional about something. She's like, I wish that we were one of those families that made videos. And I was like, me too. Like (laughs) I do. We both clearly have this need to go viral together. Um, But we just, we haven't gotten it together on that. But yeah. Uh, I was wondering, do you and your mom wish that you could be viral thoughts? (laughs) We've never discussed it, but I had a very similar longing, I think, when I was on TikTok during lockdown. And I was like, God, I wish we were like a kitchen island family. Yeah. Or even just having a dad family. (laughs) I was like, imagine what it would be like. Because I saw this family, did I tell you, do a cover version of The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. And it was so beautiful. And like the brothers playing the cello and the dads playing guitar, the mums on the keyboard and the like the daughters playing like the drums and singing. And uh, all the comments were like, oh, is this what like a healthy family dynamic looks like? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm kind of with you on that. But I'm also like, I don't know, the musical families always get me because mm. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're kind of weird. And who am I to judge? <laughs> but I always am like, this is a little weird. Like you guys yeah. are like obsessed. Who? What family gets together? Like, what are you, the Von Traps? Like, what family gets together and does music together? <laughs> or it gives the vibes of like those families that have like twenty kids and each one plays a different instrument and they go and do like the town fair circuit. But maybe mm. I'm just a judgmental cunt. I don't know. It's probably it's probably the latter. But. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for you that you had Eurovision. How long does it last again? Is it like three days? Well, the 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 there's a week leading up to it where they will, will basically have like quarterfinals, semifinals, or whatever. Where it's like, I mean, I don't ever bother watching that because I want to be surprised on fart like the finale night at what the acts are. So it, like the lead up is like a week, and then it's one Saturday in May, and it's four hours long. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, and it's just, it's just those few. Okay. Cause I imagined it being like a 24 seven thing. Like they're just crank. I mean, I guess I'm also maybe overestimating how many countries there are in Europe, but I'm like, wow, all those thousands of performances to get through, like they're going to be, <laughs> this must be a, tw- <laughs> you could probably wake up, sleep on the couch for four hours and like, you know, you're still playing. Okay. Well, I'm happy for for Eurovision. I'm sorry, did you say Finland won? No, it was um oh, it was Sweden, right? 
And it was this woman and she was fine. She was, you know, the song was fine. It was, it was what it was. And she had previously, check this the fuck out, had previously entered Eurovision for Sweden and won like 10 years ago. And I was like, is that allowed? Can you do Eurovision twice? Anyway, so she won. And this is the conspiracy theory going around. And I think there's a lot to it. Okay. Next year is the 50th anniversary of ABBA. Oh. At Eurovision. And a lot of people are saying, well, of course, it was always going to be Sweden that won. Because what, you know, what's more perfect? Having Eurovision, the ABBA, you know, ABBA's 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Sweden. It's rigged. It's so rigged. The song was fine. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, I don't know if it was that good. This is kind of you guys' Met Gala, where you just get to sit around and be shady as fuck about these people. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. is kind of funny, because like, you know, I mean, truthfully, I'm sure they're all trying their best, you know, but at the same time, you know, I don't know, there's just something so embarrassing about performance to me, mm-hmm. and I need to get over it. Because there's so many, I mean, there's so many performances that are great, but like sometimes it's that in the middle trying phase that just gets my stomach in knots. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But yeah, want to get into Claire? Let's talk about Claire. (laughs) My lovely little Claire. What is she up to these days? I don't know. I mean, so I guess she posted this tweet that went semi-viral. It's more, this is when we talk about trending topics. This is what's trending with us is always Grimes. But she posted this selfie that says the Doomers could simply deploy the AI safety thought propaganda machine. And who knows what that really means? But Mm -hmm. it's just a picture of her. And it looks like it's like a Forever 21 dress. With some, like, knee-high Ariana Grande. I mean, this looks like goth Ariana Grande. Yes. Yes, it really does. And very relatably, she's in kind of a very average-looking, messy bedroom. You know I love how messy Ariana is, because it's just like, Mm -hmm. you're a pop star. Why do you have that pile of shit next to your bed? I am surprised (laughs) that Grimes... Yeah, it looks like... Maybe it's just my computer, but it looks like there's, like, dirty marks on the wall. And, like, it just... Yeah, like what room is this, do you think? Like even the floors look too plain to be something that's in Elon Musk's living quarters. Mm -hmm. But I think that he lives like in some grotesque, like weird, brutalist way. Like this just looks like, this just looks like she's in her bedroom and she's 17 years old and they've just moved in. So she hasn't put any posters up yet. Like there's a, a certain... There's like a tinge to the flooring that doesn't look like real wood flooring. It looks like, um, you know, like MDF kind of lino, sticky, you know, click it together flooring. It's like the default, like new American build house, like doors. It's the Home Depot special in this room. Mm -hmm. This is like, if you go, if you just want to knock your house out in like one day, this is what it looks like, where it's just Mm -hmm. the most, I mean, listen. This is a great, this is a great little situation if you're like an average American. But wait, didn't, wasn't there a thing that we did during core where she said she couldn't even get like Postmates at her house or something? Ooh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I think he has her in some like Texas sort of like remote home. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, he was living in that sort of like um, prefab house that was like, I don't know, from one of those companies where some idiot in Silicon Valley is like, the way to make affordable housing for everyone is to build these like horrific little <laughs> temporary housing shelters and charge a lot of money for them and um, and solve the housing crisis. And it's like, uh, I don't know if that's what that means. But it was like, she was saying, didn't she say like, he lives like such a simple life that he's basically like, he lives like someone who doesn't have any money. Yeah. And like, that's like this sort of the thing, right? Like, I feel like Mr. Beast talks about that too. Like, none of that stuff really matters all that much once you, you know, you get all the stuff and then once you have it, it doesn't really matter so much. So you just kind of wind up living like very much even a little bit what below the ideal standard of living in America is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in some of the piles behind her, but what do we think? I mean, we talked about this on our bonus last week, the Julia Fox and Grimes segment we put on Patreon. What do we think she's going through? I mean, like I know the answer, but what do we think she's going through? (laughs) Wait, what is the answer? The answer is just that like, she's kind of like, like, I wouldn't say like brain dead, but like she's just sort of like mentally hijacked by this like weird lifestyle that he's gotten her involved in. Mm-hmm. She's also, um, I've noticed, I took a screenshot actually, and it's not showing up for me so much. But when I first clicked on this tweet, the replies to it were very interesting. So I'm just going to send you what I saw in the screenshot because I think. I mean, she's essentially the, the incels, I was going to say the incels crumpet, (laughs) the thinking man's crumpet, the incels crumpet, like, and this kind of like weird manic pixie dream girl, like Elon Musk's situation ship, uh, electro weirdo. Who's like, who, who I think has, has a very distinct, uh, (laughs) fan base. Oh yeah. It's all miladies, all (laughs) miladies. But I will say if you scroll down like 10 replies, there's a really cute cat. Oh, okay. I'm down. Oh, right. The little ginger cat. Yeah. Oh my God. It's not normal. It's so cute. It's like, that's such a cute cat, man. And I do think that I do have that thing that you can get from your cat's litter box that makes you insane. I do think I might have that. <laughs> but yeah, I just, um, wow, I really fell for that guy, you know? Yeah, I know. He's a really cute one. Who knows what Grimes is up to? Who knows? I mean- She's in a gilded cage. God bless. I'm going to listen to the Forbidden Fruits Part 2 episode after we get off this so that I can- do my work late and probably for no reason. I do enjoy seeing Julia, but I just like, you know, the conversations are so like esoteric that like, I'm pretty sure that they don't make sense. You know, it's like this sort of, I don't know, just like web of ideas that I'm like, are you even talking about anything like real? Like, is this, is this real? Right. right. Cause like, you know, I think I can, kind of consume some fairly like sophisticated thoughts and like I have a good sense of a lot of the language that they're using but I'm like I know all these words I just don't know if they make sense together 
Like, what does it mean when you put these words together? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I can tell you what this word means in this context or whatever, but as a, as a, you know, big picture, I can't really tell you much, but Mm -hmm. God bless Claire, you know, kind of. And yeah, that's that. Links as always are going to be in our show notes. And you guys, by the way, if you want hit subscribe now, subscribe to us, leave a review. If you feel like it, you can wait till the episode's over, but just want to get that out at the top. Okay. Listen, so big news. She wasn't at the Met Gala this year. And this may explain why she was preparing for the role of lifetime. Addison Ray has been cast in a semi-live-action film with Ryan Reynolds, Aubrey Plaza, you know, really kind of like the who's who of Hollywood comedy. Addison Ray, baby, she's she's really making it in Hollywood. Vince Vaughn, Jason Momoa. I mean, good for her. I'm very proud of her. And she booked that Thanksgiving movie, which is, I guess, like the full version of that like short movie that Jason Reitman made in that long not Jason Reitman Eli Roth the one that he made was a grindhouse was that the movie where he had like a bunch of short little horror movies and um he's making like the full version of his little horror short called Thanksgiving and Addison Rae was cast in that as well but Addison's going to be a main character in this she's going to be one of the live action characters like I assume someone like Jason Momoa is going to be like the voice of a lion or something on the nose like that. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think what does like hybrid animate, what is it? Hybrid animation live action. Oh, so like um, who framed Rob- Roger Rabbit? Roger Rabbit. Yeah, okay, got like it. that yeah. sort of thing, I think. Oddly enough, the director of this film, which I just learned today when I was digging a little deeper, is an old Tumblr friend of mine, Peter Atencio. Oh, good for Peter. Who I believe maybe directed the last Jordan Peele movie, Nope. Mm-hmm. He was involved in that as well. Um, but Peter is someone I've known for a really long time, and he's gotten more and more successful over the years. I believe like he got involved with the um really got involved with Key and Peel. And that was like one of his first big TV directing jobs. But, you know, listen, I'm proud of her. Um, I, I don't yeah. know if I'm yeah. buying into this animal friends thing. I, you know, people are so, I, listen, maybe I'm a little overly precious about Addison Rae and I'm not exactly sure why, because there's nothing about her that falls in my demographic. Like, I don't think she's ever even come up on my TikTok before. Does she even still post TikToks? God, fuck knows. Fuck knows. I, I was thinking recently actually about TikTokers that can make it out of the TikTok ecosystem. Like, because really what you want to do is like build an audience really quickly and then very quickly pivot them to another platform. Because that is a brutal algorithm that isn't designed for you to necessarily follow people. No, and even you can, you just burn really quickly. Even if you are, even if you are successful on the platform, it's not monetized properly. So, no. you know, you can be making money from like sponsorships and brand deals, but I feel like I follow some people that have like a million followers and not even they get really brand deals. So it's kind of all like depends on what companies choose to strike in that regard. Mm-hmm. 
or whatever. And some people just make content that's not particularly brand safe. Yeah. We have that bloom powder that all the TikTokers drink that seems like the new version of the coldest water Um, Mm. where it's like, I'm going to tell you this crazy story while I make my prebiotic drink or whatever. You know, it's what I find interesting about the TikTok thing is a lot of people don't open up secondary like streams of revenue. And I can understand why YouTube maybe isn't for everyone who has a TikTok. Like I think the D'Amelio sisters, for the sake of just trying to strike while the iron was hot for them, started YouTubes, but they just didn't have the, they didn't have something you wanted to follow like all of that. They had their little Hulu show. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone watched the second season of that. And you know, they're set for fucking life. So they don't ever have to really work again. But it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think Dixie's getting really into the modeling stuff, which is good for her. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm moving about the house a little bit right now. But I can't oh, help it. I don't know if we've ever done this before. No, nah, maybe I have. I don't know. Maybe I snuck and ran around. But um, who would you like to see? I would like to see more from Brittany Broski. I feel like she has her like radio mm-hmm. show or something. But I think that she had the has the ability to potentially, and it may have even passed her by, but to be like the missing like piece on the internet that Jenna Marbles left. I think so. I really love her. I think she's really funny. I like when she um she pops up when I haven't seen her for a while, and I'm always just so delighted to see her. Yeah. And whenever I've seen her like feature in other videos, like I think she did, there's quite an infamous one where Trixie, Mat- I think Trixie Mattel and her are quite friendly and Trixie does her makeup. Obviously the gays love Brittany Broski. So she has a kind of inbuilt fan base. Yeah. I want to see her. I want to see her have some longevity because I think she's very smart and really funny and like really seems to get this very particular style of humor that's slightly surreal and weird and just like deeply like it always just feels very spontaneous and very natural and you feel very trusted with her in the same way that like I felt with Jenna. It was like, she's doing this cause she's having fun and that's it. Like I feel safe. And here. she also has a thing to her where you can tell she's nice. Like sometimes people will hit yeah. and you're like, Oh, like I like that. But like, I don't, I'm not sure about them as a person, but with like Brittany, there's something mm-hmm. to her that's like, so down to earth, but also just like thoughtful, nice. Like I've seen her take time out to make a point of certain things and I like her, but yeah, let us know on IG or Twitter. If you have anyone else that you have your sort of, you know, you're looking out for as someone who could potentially make it off platform. Oh my God. By the way, do you know the octopusy kid No, that does those like historical phone calls? Where it's like, um, where it'll be like, pretend you're Mary finding out you're pregnant with Jesus. (laughs) And like, he'll do these like phone calls where he is like, you know, like just, you know, doing, has like sort of a unique way in. Well, uh, I mean, like to me, sorry, like I can tell when someone's for money, even if they're living like what seems to be like a normal 20 something life. And like the kid was just obviously for money. Like, you know, I think he he has a job. I'm not really sure what it is, but it's like, you know, like a medium range entertainment job. 
that someone who, you know, seems pretty young might not really have. And then they're eating at Erewhon every day and like lower level mm. entertainment industry jobs do not, they're like, they're as bad as like, you know, music is, is just as bad as film or TV. Right. So turns out, I saw this on Twitter like a couple months ago that he went to college with Olivia Jade because he's in one of her vlogs. And it turns out that his parents are like executives at like Universal Music Group or something. <gasps> and so I was kind of like, oh. oh my God. Cause like, of course, like if you're eating, if you're spending $30 to eat at Erewhon for lunch every day and you live in this like nice house, it seems like he lives in a nice apartment, but he like lives there with like four girls. So you're like, maybe not. But then when you think about what, LA real estate is, it's like very obvious that that place is probably like 8,000 a month or something, you know, mm. maybe not that much, but like, even if it was 5,000, that's pretty rich for most kids bloods in uh, LA. But then when he popped up in Olivia Jade's vlog, I was like, oh, cause you know, she was not fucking with scholarship kids. Like she was not. <laughs> mm. So tell me your big news. Okay. On Wednesday, I'm going to see Beyonce Knowles, the female pop vocalist from the hip hop rap in Girls Time. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Honey, Girls Time. <laughs> so if anyone remembers in like recent, you know, as far back as when the tour was announced, you were kind of like, I don't know if I'll go like, you know. You were wondering, like you wanted to go, then you weren't sure if you'd go. And you made this very mm -hmm. last minute decision. I want to say also, where, where are your seats? Because you told me what you paid for a pair of them. And I was like, that's, that's a good price. Right. Also, I would say European tours tend to be much cheaper than seats in America. Right. Like the difference, like what I paid when I saw Beyonce the last two times for like Golden Circle was a was about <laughs> I think it was less than I think Billy paid for us to basically have nosebleed seats in uh in in Texas when we saw her on the Formation World Tour. So like the pricing is very different in Europe. Our seats are I was actually looking at Golden Circle again because I thought they were actually fairly reasonable, but then I was like it's a three hour show. These old bones <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want to be like that like I want to have the option to sit down so it's the basically the first tier of of seating in the stadium pretty center dead on second row wow that's so that's like great really good seats that's yeah. great yeah so you're going with your mommy yeah I am it'll be the second time we've seen her together I'm quite excited I've bought myself a sequin bum bag um a pair of disco ball earrings so I'm going to go, I'm going to go crazy. I might get some speciality gibbets for my Crocs because I think it might be that kind of situation. And uh, I'm really excited. And I think the thing that sold it to me is um, she opened the tour this week in, was it in Stockholm? Was it in fucking, fucking Sweden this week? Jesus, Jesus. Sweden, get a life. Fucking Sweden. I feel like it was maybe, yeah, it was definitely, I said it was a Scandi audience. So let's, let's assume it was Stockholm. Um, a couple of fans from the US had flown over to Stockholm. And do you know what? I would imagine probably for the cost of a plane ticket, you could probably still get more cost-effective like seats than you would in America. So there's that. Um, but I'd flown over for opening night. 
And there were a couple of people who were essentially like streaming it on Instagram. And so I popped in and then I stayed and then I stayed and then I stayed and then I had to like, <laughs> and then I cash up to this guy who was like being so, I mean, he was, he was, he was right to do this, but he was like, if you people don't start paying me, I think I'm just going to turn the stream off. <laughs> so I was like, no, no. So I cash up him some money and he did, he kept it up for the, for the most part. And then I was like, fuck, she's really going to make me do this. I, I started to get like a real feeling of FOMO. And so I did it. I bit the bullet and I'm really excited. Well, I'm really happy for you, honey. That's really exciting. Are you, do you know what you're going to, are you going to get like a special beverage or are you going to get a drink? Uh, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to get pretty litty, I think. Usually I think what I'll probably do is just sink a few pints because it's like, that's, you know, quick and easy at the stadium to just be like, yeah, just give me two pints of beer and I'll drink one on the way back to my seat. And then I'll drink the other one when I get there. And then I'll listen to a song and then I'll go get two more and do the same. Which does mean I'm going to be pissing a lot, but hey. There's a great, oh, I could put it actually, um, I can put it in our bonus links, but a very delicious little fan put together a Spotify playlist of the running order thus far on the tour, which is quite interesting. What have we learned? One, she is her own opening act. Okay. So like she opened with some ballads and everyone was like huh what but she was basically like being her own opening act so like she does like dangerously in love which was like a choice to open the show with especially after after like formation world tour and then she did uh flaws and all one plus one and i care so she basically is like you know just standing there just like very raw vocals with a mic beyonce very surprising but she never does anything that I think that people are going to expect so that was a big surprise and then the show just kind of takes this turn where then it goes into being like you know a very camp very big very kind of shiny party some of the initial reactions were like oh she's not doing like a choreo like she was at Coachella and it was like I think she's still recovering from a knee operation. So like the choreo isn't as hard, like doesn't go as hard as Coachella. But also like in Homecoming, she said like what I did for Coachella, I will not like I'll never push myself like to like pass my limits like that again. Like I think she kind of was like, okay, I'm, you know, <laughs> I've got 50, 11 children. I'm probably not just like going to do choreo. I'm going to like strip it back, go back to vocals. And she's like heavily delivering on vocals, heavily delivering on like stage design and on looks. And there is still like a lot of choreo and it's really good. But I think that because of what like used to seeing a particular kind of performance over the last couple of years, that this feels a bit like a record scratch. But like, I don't know, like whatever she wants to dish up, I'm ready for it. Like I'm along I'm for the ride. I'm thrilled for you, babe. I mean, I was seeing a little backlash if it's safe to call it backlash mm. with i mean well i was seeing rihanna fans saying very rude things about you know how dare she you know what i mean they were like you know rihanna did this whole super bowl performance pregnant and you know what are they one of those mean names you know they always have like they call one of the names they call taylor's table because she's flat, like, you know, Aww. I know, but they 
called her some mean name and was like, she's giving nothing because they think her choreo <gasps> wasn't as crazy as it typically is. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I, I did see a little bit of backlash. People are very worried about getting spoiled or whatever for this for this show. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I got to say, like... Uh, you know, it's, um... Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's hard. Like, I, I this these Taylor Swift shows have been coming out. I know the whole show by heart. I'm still really excited to go, but I can understand why people would be a little, like, you know, nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's too much to get, it's too much to get so worked up there's a lot of worked up behavior i know my my feeling was as well that like beyonce goes has traditionally gone like very very hard and so when she's not going super hard and is doing something a little bit different it feels like she's not doing very much in comparison and i think that's actually a very unfair assessment because i think she's doing a lot more than 90% of other performers are doing, like quite honestly. But because like we're used to seeing something different, then it just feels, uh, I don't know, it just feels disconnected maybe. But I have to say she sounds and she looks incredible and she like, she seems to be having a lot of fun. And when I was watching the kind of opening of the show on Instagram Live, she seemed to get very, very overwhelmed and very, very emotional at the beginning. Because, you know, this is the first time really she's stepping on stage as a solo tour for like, the you know, seven years. And then I've noticed that there's a lot more looseness and a lot more freedom to it. And um, if that's what if that's what she's 
doing that's making her really happy, then we're going to get like great performances out of someone who's not, you know, having to perform the same old shit with a gun to her head, basically. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. It, it seems like it seems like a just a big like love letter to the like queer community as well. There's a giant, you know, there's a great big giant horse in more than one place in the show. And apparently all the, you know, Ketamin gays are going crazy for it. And I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited. And I, um, she doesn't owe us anything. Like she could basically disappear if she wanted to. So I just, maybe it's the, maybe it's the relationship I've been in, the parasocial relationship I've been in with her for the last 10 years. But like anything, if she gives me a crumb, I'm going to be very grateful for it. The things that have come out that I think are quite interesting is that she's kind of introduced this gender neutral bathroom situation on the tools, which is nice. I did get in trouble for using the men's room at the last Beyonce show I went to. So I would like to think. Well, apparently she heard about that. I'd like to think that it's a personal (laughs) tribute um, to me. Yeah. She's like, just so you know, guys, shout out malls. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just was not going to wait in that fucking long ass line. Like, I just was not going to do it. I'm going to feel it out at Taylor because like, it's just going to be. But I know some dad or something is going to like yell at me if he catches me like and I don't want another (laughs) Beyonce situation. You know, Taylor Swift is a much more conservative fan base. So there probably is going to be some guy calling me a pedophile in there or something. (laughs) But Yeah. Well, I'm really excited. Like, are you going to give us a full review? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I will. I'm quite interested as well to see if more delicious things kind of drop now that they're like the tour has kind of already begun and happening. Uh, There is a clip that I've included. I don't know if you've seen this or if you want to play this where on stage she addresses the fact that there's no visuals for this album. Okay, that doesn't really answer my question. <laughs> she said, when I'm ready, bitch. Could it be now? What happened with all of the clips? I know. I mean, I'm less invested in this than like I maybe would have been like three or four years ago. Which is not to say I'm not invested at all. Like, I'll eat the visuals up, but I'm not, I'm not that fan that's going to be like, where's my fucking visuals, bitch? Because, like, first of all, like, <laughs> you know, we're, we were still technically, I think, you know, COVID safe sets were really, really still a big thing mm-hmm. when part of this was being prepared. Are there visuals during the show? Yeah, and there are kind of a mix of stuff we haven't seen before and stuff we like that maybe is from from stuff that we're familiar with. My well, the theory that I've heard is that the visuals could potentially include parts of the tour. Okay. But I don't oh, know. Oh, like maybe like after the tour is completed, like releasing like a HBO movie or something. Yeah, maybe. I could see that happening. I mean, that would be a hell of a like there's 
there's like, you know, I don't even know who has enough money to buy that type of thing. Title. <laughs> she releases it on title. <laughs> Does her um, husband a favor. But yeah, that's interesting. I think that's really interesting. You know, I, I wonder what's going on with Beyonce because it feels does it not feel like something might be going on? I think so. That would, I got this at, like I did, I got quite emotional when she got quite emotional. And I think like her usual dance captain, Ashley, do, do you know about the Ashley drama? Oh my God. I don't know. Ashley, who's the, the dancer who has the kind of like, like almost like, I think it's red. She went through a phase of having very red curly hair, has been Beyonce's dance captain for a number of years and kind of infamously has been in a couple of Beyonce music videos and was always kind of her, you know, right-hand woman in particular for like the Formation World Tour. And I think Ashley even got engaged on stage during the Formation World Tour. Like she was proposed to during Single Ladies. Beyonce was in on it. It was all very cute. I think I remember that. So Ashley has been liking some fucking shady shit on Instagram. One uh, that called Beyonce, uh, a post that called Beyonce overrated. Oh, What? And then she liked another post that said that um, there was something about like Beyonce's music being demonic or something. <laughs> anyway. Uh-oh, she's going Tokyo Tony on us. She's going fucking Tokyo Tony. So like immediately the beehive like saw this and was like, you know, swarmed. And the first time it happened on the overrated post, Ashley was like, my finger slipped. I thought it's, no, it wasn't my finger slipped. It was basically like, Oh, I thought, you know, I read it in a hurry and I thought it said underrated artists. And I was like, mm. sure. Okay, but we're not talking about, you know, somebody on an indie label. Like, <laughs> I don't know if people would call Beyonce underrated. I can see how, you know, people would call her overrated. Those people would be wrong, but I don't think she, that's not being used for her. And then the second time it happened, it wasn't, she didn't address it, but then she went and like unliked this post. And then while this was going on, you know, the tour hadn't kind of dropped yet. And so a lot of people on Reddit were like, give Ashley a chance. This is probably like, she's in Europe right now. Like she's rehearsing with Beyonce. Like this is all fine. Well, opening night of the tour, guess who isn't there? Ashley Everett. Ashley. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, this is one thing that they need to start putting in NDAs because so much shit starts with the subtle, like liking shady tweets or liking shady, you know, like it would be like adding into that non-disparagement or whatever should absolutely be like interacting with materials that in any way, like defame or portray the talent in negative light, Mm -hmm. because that is like really where, it all starts. And like, sometimes you can, you know, you'll see like people be like, oh, well, Taylor's friend from high school, not even Abigail, but like some fourth string friend that like is just, uh, you know, some person that she's been known to associate with or whatever, liked some tweet saying that like, you know, Calvin Harris is gay or something. You know what I mean? It's always <laughs> something like that. And you're like, oh, okay. But, like, the idea of someone who is a close employee liking things like that is very mm. shady. And I would say that Kardashians have dealt with stuff like that over the years, too, where yeah. it's like some person who was inside, you know, the camp is now shadily expressing on social media that they have issues. And I just think that that's 
First of all, I would be way too fucking proud for anyone to catch me doing something like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, I, I do wonder a little bit, what the fuck happened to pride? Like, not the month or anything, but I mean, like, <laughs> what happened to, like, the concept of pride where it's like, people used to be, like, too embarrassed to, or, like, literally be like, you're not going to catch me rolling in the mud. You know, like that, there was something to be said for that. And I'm not necessarily talking about like respectability politics or something like that. I'm talking about more just like this sort of thing where it's like you just move forward. I'm really big on that. I'm really big on just moving forward with like my, you know, I don't interact with any, I don't read anything shady. I don't interact with anything shady. Like I just move on, you know, Um, and that's just the way I've, I've always been with like, especially with like jobs or whatever, where I left and I wasn't super happy. Like, you're never going to catch me liking some tweet, like shading, you know, someone that I've worked with before, for example, because it's just like, yeah, like I see it. Maybe a part, maybe a part of me that's petty is like, "Mm," you know, well, at least people are catching on or whatever. But like, yeah, I just don't... You mentally like it. You don't have to physically like it. Yeah, just but I little, still also yeah. feel a little dirty, like mentally liking it. I'm like, come on. Like, why are you like letting some stan or whatever get in your, you know, like why are you, not mm-hmm. a stan, but like why are you letting some like internet troll get in your head? Like you wouldn't want someone else to believe something like that about you, you know? So I just, I don't know. But there's, um that that to me feels like the next stage in like sort of keeping a lock on the people that you let in close to you right because yeah it just starts so much shit but like also who's like dumb enough to step to Beyonce of all people I know like it's one thing if you're some person in Rihanna's Navy or whatever who wants to call Beyonce like a slow older woman or something (laughs) That's kind of what they were saying that I was kind of mincing words about because I was uncomfortable. But they were basically it's that moment where she's standing on stage in like a bee costume. It just was like it was a lower energy moment, I would say. And they were just basically yeah. being like, she's out of breath. She looks overweight. She's, like, <gasps> you know, very much just like the standard stand Twitter stuff. But like I was just like, you know, behind an anonymous account, maybe. But if you're like the Ashley and all these people follow you because you're so closely associated with the queen, mm-hmm. how are you going to be out there doing that? I know. Very shady. I, feel, I think you're right. I think something's up. There's something going on camp-wise that seems to be like there's been a little bit of a mm, refocus, a little bit of a shake-up. Some probably noses have been put out of joint. There's a different choreographer working on this tour and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stands are like, mm, yeah, we could tell. But like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It's also, like, possible. I mean, like, at a certain point, like, what Beyonce's always done is, like, a physical feat of, like, it's just not human. Like, she does, like, you could, you could take a normal, you could take even a very talented person and have them work round the clock for, like, a year, and they would never be able to turn out a show the way that Beyonce turns out a show. Like, they just, they would never be able to do it. But at a certain point, all of our artists are going to get less and less, I don't know, like, especially the people like Beyonce has been famous since I was a teenager. 
you know, it's okay if she's not putting in like the crazy choreo the same way she's a mother of three. Like at right. a certain point, some at some at some point it's also like a safety issue. You know what I mean? Yeah, she has to do three hour shows throughout Europe and then the continental United States. Uh, she has to not burn her voice out. She has to not blow her knee out. Uh, and she has to put on a good show for literally everyone every time because people are playing like people are paying a lot of money yeah. to see her. So I kind of think like I don't know. She can do whatever the fuck she wants, as far as I'm concerned. There's there's high camp, there's high drama, it's big set pieces in a way that I haven't really seen her do before. And um, if that's what she wants to give, then the children are going to eat it up. It's enough. It's enough. Okay. It's more than I could fucking do. Well, I'm really excited for you, and I'm sure everyone's frothing to get your review. <laughs> frothing at the mouth. <laughs> so... There's this thing I want to talk with you about this because I, I don't know if we'll have differing opinions. We might, but this has been a point of contention on Twitter for a certain sect of chronically online people over the last week. So a user named Dorian Vansera posted a, a, a note that she had written to a na- her neighbor about an ongoing issue with her neighbor having a very active sex life specifically a neighbor who's on the other side of the wall from their their bed, okay? Mm. So she writes this note, and she definitely is... She's wringing her hands a little too much for my liking. Like, for me, I'm just like... First of all, your username is Pissboy McGee. Oh, no, this is Pissboy McGee is someone who retweeted her. <laughs> this government name. Her name is Allie Star Emoji in my Mariners, or my my main era. My Minera. I don't know what is she, in my Moderna. I have no idea what her thing is. She just seems a little soft, right? She's quote tweeting a a tweet that she had posted that says, guys, I think I'm finally going to leave my neighbors a note about them fucking all day, every day. I can't do it anymore. I'm losing my mind, and I literally can't enter my bedroom without hearing them fucking They are keeping me up at night and waking me up in the morning. It's insane. So she's quote tweeted that tweet with a note and a picture of two Coronas. Okay. And she writes, wish me luck. Fingers crossed. Okay. So this is the note. I'm going to read it to you. Hey, neighbors. Just a friendly reminder that the walls between our houses are much thinner than you might think. Congrats to you guys for your apparently very healthy sex life. Seriously, good for you. However, I would prefer not to be a part of it, and I'm sure you'd both prefer that as well. I applaud you for... (laughs) I applaud you both for your stamina. However, it's gotten to the point that it's interfering with my sleep schedule, so I figured it was time to say something. Please accept these beers as a peace offering slash bargaining chip. I was hoping that they might be enough to persuade you to maybe move your bed to the other side of the room. Sincerely, your neighbors in 83, specifically the one that shares a bedroom wall with you. Now, I just noticed, okay, so she is Canadian because the neighbors has a U in it, which is, you know, weird. I think she's from, um, let me see where she's from. Uh, like Yukon or something like she's from like a place that's very she's from Yukon Canada and someone was like what are your neighbors fucking moose 
<laughs> but what do you think of the concept of this note in general? Like, tell, give, me, give me all your thoughts on this. Oh, God. I'm uncomfortable for literally everybody involved in mm-hmm. this. Like, it makes my skin crawl. I remember when the flat above me was an Airbnb and there was this one couple this one weekend that were just like having the loudest fucking sex and it was like the windows were shaking like I think like she was getting fucked on the windowsill and I was like Jesus Christ and it went on and on and on anyway I was leaving the flat one day as they were coming down the stairs and I couldn't even make eye contact with them knowing what I'd heard and they sort of didn't really meet my gaze knowing that I've probably heard. And it was all a bit, even that was a bit uncomfortable as a social interaction. So the idea, I'm just trying to put myself in everybody's shoes. The idea of receiving that note makes my fucking, my pussy shrivel up and like dry out for life. The idea of writing that note makes my skin crawl. I'm just like, I'm so uncomfortable. It is so it is so uncomfortable. Those are great words to use. Now, here's my question for you about the Airbnb people. You said that maybe they had some shame sort of about mm. you overhearing what they were doing. I'm going to float mm. another theory. Perhaps they are oblivious. Mm. Yeah, potential. Yeah, potential. I mean, look, when... When my husband came, and I hadn't seen him in six months, we were rattling a few headboards, not going to lie. And so I was afraid when I was leaving, we were leaving to go somewhere once, and I was like, I was like, oh my God, I hope we don't run into my downstairs neighbor. (laughs) Because, you know, listen, things settle down. Of course they do. But I was immediately like, oh my God, you know, in the heat of the moment, I wasn't really thinking about everyone else. But like afterwards, I was like, embarrassed and I didn't want to look anyone in the eye and I was hoping I could just avoid it until like you know until such time that like it doesn't feel so um uncomfortable and raw and so I I would imagine that like perhaps even the look on my face when I saw them emerging from upstairs may have triggered their shame a little bit I don't know if they were oblivious or if I was reading into it, because I was like, oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Maybe your neighbor just thinks you're like a pathetic spinster who only gets laid once a year. So he's like, oh, well, you know, it'll be over Go with soon. Her. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, they were like, oh, it's okay. That's usually dies down. <laughs> never, he never sees your husband around, so he doesn't know. He's just like, oh, <laughs> that weird guy that comes in and fucks her a bunch once it once a year is here again. I'm going to sleep with AirPods in. But okay, so I have mixed thoughts on this. First of all, I do think it must be egregious if someone had to write a note this bad. Mm. I do also feel like when someone is this inconsiderate, because let's be real, when walls are thin, you can hear the other side too. Like they can hear this person probably cough. You know what I mean? And some, some apartments are Mm -hmm. that thin walled. Right. So Mm -hmm. I always feel like there's an, a little bit of a thing to it where I've been in these situations, especially in hotels where I'm like, this might be your kink is like making other people uncomfortable with the incredibly loud Mm -hmm. sex that you're having. 
way too mm-hmm. much. Like there's a little bit of performance here because by, by all means in a right. hotel, especially like you don't need to be silent. It's a hotel. Like you just, you just leave, you know what I mean? Um, you don't have to deal with those people again, but mm-hmm. there, there is a certain level of performance that can go on where it's like, okay, this is purposefully self-involved or I guess not self-involved, but <laughs> you know, just like over the top. Right. One opinion I've always held or I thought was very odd of Dan Savage, or I'm sure you're familiar with Dan Savage, right? Mm -hmm. He has always been very, like, get the fuck over it. Sex is natural. Like, if you have neighbors that are fucking, you should buy them a bottle of champagne. Like, and I'm always like, um, actually, no. Like, because that can be, like, kind of disturbing a little bit to hear. You know, like you have to look at these people like if you're having sex in the middle of the day with your or like, you know, first thing in the morning with the windows open and you're making quite a show of it. You know, that is. That's rude, like to in my personal opinion, that's well, it's at least inconsiderate. And to Mm -hmm. not consider that that could make other people feel uncomfortable or even be like a noise violation is just it's poor it's poor manners and it's like to me so oblivious that sometimes I hate obliviousness more than I hate outward rudeness rudeness because it's like Mm -hmm. you know obviously this does not go for people that are you know in any way like disabled or people that are any way like barred or restricted from like full physical movement and spatial awareness so let's just get that off the table i'm not talking about your mom in a wheelchair or your sister with like you know an autoimmune disease or anything like that i'm talking about people that like walk down the sidewalk at the mall in a literal line that blocks the entire sidewalk people that stand in in the way of open doors people that you know, there was a scene on Vanderpump Rules this year where Tom San- or Tom Schwartz had a stylist come by to like with a few looks that she had pulled for him for some sort of event. And like it's a woman carrying a fucking like a, a fucking rolling cart of clothing. And he lives obviously not on the first floor. And so this woman has like assembled a rack of clothing, brought it up to a different floor And when he answers the door, he just stood in the doorway for about 10 seconds too long. What is that great movie where Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays a massage therapist and she's like has to haul the massage bed up and down the stairs to get into this guy's place and he's never considerate or offers to help or anything and, like, the movie is I think she, like, fucks a younger guy but then she winds up with this older guy. I don't know. To me, that's sort of like obliviousness. The like the thing where you don't realize that someone has just some done something that is probably physically uncomfortable for them or inconvenient or something. And one could argue it's the stylish job to put up the rack and haul it haul it all the way up to the second floor or to do whatever. One could argue that that's her job, right? And it, it probably is. But get the fuck out of the way. It's like hot oh fucking God, Los Angeles. Yeah. Like the second that someone comes to a door and is holding something that's that large, it's like hot out. They've just constructed this rack, brought everything out individually, hung it on there, like move. 
Like, <laughs> get out of the way, move, let them in your air conditioning, you know? Right. And that's just for me, like something that's so, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when people are like, just not inconsiderate of, yeah. yes, or like, or just like this like thing where it's like, you're fine just watching someone like struggle. Right. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I have this thing that happened to me in November of last year and it's so minor. But like it made me so angry. I thought I was going to I thought I was going to murder this man. I was waiting for a flight. I was and I was in the bit where you're just about to board the plane, you know, and you sit down and you, you know, you go through the final checks, whatever. And, you know, you've probably got 10 minutes before you actually do the boarding and or 10, maybe 15. And I sat down with my case and there's this kind of like walkway thing. And then there's like, you know, the, the window right in front of you. And just a line of chairs around that. And it was right near the sort of, you know, the entrance beginning. So what I did is I sat down and I pulled my case to the side so that people could freely move back and forth when they were going to get a seat or whatever. This man next to me had his suitcase out and his feet on the suitcase blocking the way. Uh huh. So that everyone had to squeeze through this crack that was just about left. And then like, he didn't even, when people were like struggling with their bags, didn't even go, oh shit, sorry, move his bag in. He just kind of like wheeled it in a couple of inches and then like wheeled it back out with his feet. And I was like, are you a fucking monster? Yeah. Are you insane? And it's so wild because I, I've truly never hated a person more. Like I loathed that man. I loathed that man so much that I like clanged into him with my bag and didn't apologize because I had to do something with my rage. Even talking about it now, like my blood pressure is rising. No, I'm feeling angry for you because there's like so many, because it implies so many things about a person. Like if he's married, he does not help around the house. No. If he is not married, his house would probably be a mess so he hires a cleaning person. He does not tip that cleaning person. Like this is a person who, and men, when they travel, first of all, I have longer legs than most of the men I know. So (laughs) whenever men are like, oh, my legs, like, it's like, shut up. Like you're like, (laughs) you know, you're probably like, you know, six inches taller than me and my legs are still longer than yours. Like, if anyone has leg problems, honey, on this plane, it might be Molly Macleer, okay? So. But I sit crunched up in my chair, being very polite. I don't cross my legs and let one hang out into the walkway. If I do, like, I'll be asleep and know to tuck that little bitch back away when I can feel that someone's coming down the aisle to pee or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just that sort of thing where it's like, you are so inconsiderate and every single social norm that has ever existed in life has told you that this is inconsiderate behavior and you have chosen to ignore that because for some reason you don't think it's that bad when you do it. And like, you can't tell me that, that these people have not been told like they're in the way. Like you cannot tell me like, that's why sometimes when people are really just like, especially with like teenagers, sometimes they get a little like, I'll be honest, I definitely have spoken to like, by spoken, I've been like, excuse me to Mm -hmm. like some teenagers at the mall because it's like, 
yeah, listen, I know you're all like horny and your lives are hell. And like this, like going to this mall (laughs) is like the one glimpse you get into like what it might be like to be an adult with a free life someday. But like the thing that most adults with free lives who have any sort of fucking decency do is like have a sense of spatial awareness Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot all gather in front of the door at this one fucking anthropology and, like, you know, have your, like, your dumb conversations where you're probably all calling each other, like, gay or other, like, childish insults, you know? And, like, just be a fucking nuisance. And so a lot of people are responding to this note. I, I guess the couple brought the beers in at some point. Like this person is a little twee. So like there's, you know, they're like, oh, like a lot of people were bumping on the fact that the beers were, first of all, unrefrigerated. <laughs> sure. But it does seem like the neighbors also took quite a long time to notice it. So the first tweet went out at like 11.30 p.m., then the next morning they update, like they update like 12 hours later that there's no updates yet. They hadn't grabbed the note when I left for work this morning. And then this was at about 5.44 p.m. They wrote update. They did take the note and the beers at some point throughout the day today. There was no notes or anything left at my door. So hopefully they took it well and they even moved the bed. And then she goes, damn, the amount of y'all that are so proudly, proudly showing off how rude and inconsiderate y'all are as neighbors and members of a community in these comments is crazy. And then she goes, guys, I think they moved the bed. The man in question constantly clears his throat and it sounds much further away than it did previously. This is very good. Never mind. This is a little bit later. Apparently, I was overly optimistic and delusional because if I didn't know any better, I would say that they just set an alarm for 6 a.m. and started going at it. The girl dramatically fake moaned twice so loud at the exact at exactly 6 a.m. on the dot. And now the bed is currently slamming against the wall. Happy Saturday, folks. Don't assume the best in people. So this is where I'm kind of like, you know, you can see this and be like, well, fuck you or whatever. And like, there's also plenty of other things to consider, like Maybe these people are on fucking drugs. Like, maybe, you know, like, there's all sorts of things like that, right? Because, like, when you live in an apartment, you're truly living in a community. You know, like, you don't Mm -hmm. know these people. You live very different lives. Like, God, I feel that way even sometimes on my own street. I'm like, I don't know what these freaks do, you know? Because, you know, in L.A. in particular, you don't really know your neighbors. But in an apartment, I would say it's probably best not to know your neighbors. Like, you don't want to get into any sort of situation in your building, in my personal opinion but yeah like she she's getting a lot of flack from people some people are like you're literally like you're literally psychotic and childish like this is so abnormal or like a lot of people are commenting on the length of the note and some of the things that she wrote which I viewed as like an attempt to be sex positive and to be like listen I do I'm not mad that you guys are fucking like fuck your life Mm -hmm. away that's fine some people are like really examining the language though and being like, why are you talking about their stamina? And it's like, well, babe, because it sounds like they're fucking like from 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. Like mm-hmm. that's and I had a downstairs neighbor that was very he and his girlfriend used to fight all the time. And then they used to have very loud sex until about five o'clock in the morning. And it was like incredibly intrusive. 
And like one time I texted him about it when I was at work and I was like, hey, like, you know, I try not to get into anything that you guys are doing and like, I really don't care. But like, truthfully, like last night was insane. Like you guys fought until four o'clock in the morning and then I could hear you having sex till six o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, I work full time. I have really long days and like I get in trouble at work if I'm not on my game. And like to put it mildly, like I'm not on my game when you guys are keeping me up all night fighting. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where they were like fighting in the whole place. So it wasn't even like I could go to my couch. Like they were, they had the same layout as me. And they were like fighting in the kitchen and then it would transfer slowly to the living room and then wind up in the bedroom and then go back out. So it's like I couldn't even have slept on my couch, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, I think things like sometimes got, if not like full-blown domestic violence situation, like there was like throwing of things, Uh. you know, like possibly even it was maybe a little drug fueled, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and he did not have a normal reaction to me where he's like, mind your fucking business, Molly. Like, and I just wrote like, Hey, like I've never said anything to you in like the three years that we've lived on top of each other. So like, I would think the one time that I like take the time to write a really nice note and mention to you that this is like keeping me up at night, like you'd have a better response to it. but. All right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I thought that she, this is a really fucking uncomfortable situation to have to confront someone about. She, the only reason why she wrote her apartment, she said, was because she lives in like the corner apartment. And so it was pretty obvious that like she is the one writing the note or someone who Mm -hmm. like it lives in one of the rooms there. And I think maybe by specifying the one that she shares the bedroom wall is to like maybe take the heat off of her roommates or whatever. But this guy, piss boy or whatever, wrote like, you guys are like, this is fucking insane or something like that. Something to that extent. He wrote, this is batshit insane. And like, no, it's not. Like, in my personal opinion, no, it's not. No, it's it's really hard, actually. I'm thinking, I wonder if she ever deployed like a kind of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a like a rage knock like you know when someone's being really loud and you just kind of like bang the wall or whatever and you can't like and you go oh fuck someone can hear me like if you're a considerate person you might go oh fuck someone can hear me i didn't realize they could hear me now, now i'm really embarrassed and now i'm gonna stop doing the thing i mean that's what a lot of people are suggesting like bang on the wall like a fucking adult you know what i mean but <laughs> I think I whatever it is, whatever the answer is to that, the fact that she decided to use this method and they still didn't stop doing it. And if anything seemed to be doing it like earlier than usual is like a really it's a pretty obvious fuck you. Taking some joy in it. You know, funnily enough, a friend of mine, Jack, was uh he was living in this flat that he moved into around lockdown and he was kind of doing it up. It had been bought and and anyway, he was doing it up. And his neighbor <laughs> who lived downstairs from him was basically running a pirate radio station. <laughs> I love that. And and he would do like basically every Friday and Saturday night would do these like drum and bass sets from like 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. 
And Jack was like, could you get like, literally, because apparently the sound that was coming through the door, like through the walls was like this muffled, like, <laughs> no, I, I can picture it exactly. <laughs> and, like, he goes, to, he like went to the guy and he, and he, he said that he brought the guy some beers. He knocked the door and he said, listen, mate, would you mind maybe turning it down a bit, you know? it's it's you know i can hear everything and this guy was basically like this yardie was like fuck you what's a yardie <laughs> it's someone uh usually from jamaica who's a kind of like probably into a, a little bit of crime got it <laughs> yeah see that's always and important so yeah. to suss out too because like you know my mom always taught me like you know you gotta make sure that whoever it is you're stepping to is like the right person to be stepping to right yeah which is a really good point yeah apparently this guy was like you know like jack is not the tallest man in the world and apparently this guy was like really really tall and didn't give a fuck like would basically answer the door and was just like didn't give a fuck and so jack was like i'm doing up this flat and then i'm gonna sell it but like do I tell the people buying the flat that there's a guy running like a pirate radio station downstairs? <laughs> I, I, no, it's a he blew his chance and I hate to say it, but he blew his chance because you can't once. No, unfortunately, he had one shot. You have one shot with someone like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And if it doesn't go well, then like fucking forget it. Yeah. But, well, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Some uh, The most insane response to this I saw, like, of course, I think, like, you know, this guy being like, you're batshit. And that's, a, that's a little far. I was seeing a lot of people who just also seem very chronically online being like, well, it's really bad. I mean, you should just call the police. And I'm sorry, I don't think there's a bored enough police force anywhere in the in the entire world to be like all right we're gonna go talk to these adults about their consensual sex they're having in their house <laughs> like but yeah i do i do think that there's a uh i do think that there's a thing where it might be a little bit of a kink for some people to be heard and traditionally i agree with dan savage and but i always thought that that was such an out of nowhere no, I mean, not for him, because he's, like, the sex posse guy, but it's, like... Yeah, but... Dude, like... Just because you are doesn't mean everybody else is. Like, everyone has different levels of comfort with that stuff. And, like, I I find... I don't know. Like, I, it's the same reason why I find, like, aggressive PDAs, like, very distasteful. Because I'm, like, we get it, you fuck. Like, does everybody need to know? Like, okay, fine. Could you not just like take this offline? Like nobody needs to see this. Nobody needs to hear this. If it like spills over accidentally, fine, whatever. But like, like it's this, it's the equivalent for me of like, you know, when like teenagers post like bad selfies and it's just like, oh, just had, you know, oh, had some sex. And it's like, oh, okay, well. But also like, I also would have to ask Dan Savage, like, you know, he's a father. I'd be like, are you comfortable with like your kid? like? You know, like, is this where you say to your kid, like, some people have really healthy sex lives, <laughs> my five-year-old son? Like, it's just like, I don't know. It's a little too much for me. But 
God bless. Let us know what you think. I personally just think, you know, it just, it hits on a lot of my pet peeves. Also, I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm hearing that, I'm seeing that. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little, a little much for me. Mm-hmm. Hello. 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 <laughs> I've been keeping an eye on this man, my arch nemesis, my arch rival, someone I'm in a parasocial relationship with because I loathe him so deeply. Marvelous news. Elon has decided to step down as Twitter, Twitter CEO. And what he says he's going to be doing is focusing more on product and I guess product dev, which is really interesting because uh, Twitter isn't a product driven SaaS tool. Like it, it, it isn't. It isn't a tool of which product is is the core offering, right? Sure. And so that's a very that's a very odd thing. But rumors are that Tesla stakeholders um, are pretty nervous by all of his bullshit that's been going on through Twitter over the last six months, and he's kind of been dicking around at Twitter and and sort of abandoned his post somewhat. So the pressure is on for Elon to step down. And lest we forget, he did put up a poll that said. Should I step down as the CEO of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. He didn't, and now he is. So at the time I was looking at this, it said that there would be a, quote, unnamed woman who would be taking over as Twitter CEO. And I think he tweeted about somebody uh, somebody who would be, quote, foolish enough to take the job, end quote, which is, I mean, probably the only true thing I think he's ever said. But as as we kind of as we're recording this episode, I was reading a bit more and it turns out that the new CEO is going to be a woman by the name of Linda Yaccarino, who is the, I guess, former head of NBC's head of global advertising, which is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like the ads that I've been in, like seeing on Twitter are fucking garbage. They're shite. Dude. If uh, they keep trying to sell me the same fucking memorial thing, have you seen that? It's like a clear little desk ornament that has like, it's like either today there was a mother and child carved into it. It's like a glazer glass thing. There's like ones with dogs on it. And like, yeah, I mean, so I turned off my, I guess I, I didn't know you could do this, but if you go in your settings, you can turn off targeted ads, which I was excited to do because they always, I think they assume because I'm a woman that like, I must have some major body issues. And like everywhere I went on Twitter, it was like, you need to drink apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. to get rid of your gut. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm fine, I think. And yeah, I've tried to get into the apple cider vinegar habit for other reasons, but I keep failing. So I don't need to see this reminder every day. And so I turn that off and now I just get these fucking glass laser cut statues every day. It's wild. I get a lot of what are clearly print on demand, like dropship Shopify stores uh, that are selling cat mom t-shirts. So I keep getting like, you know, very hacky, like bad cat mom t-shirts. I'm like, I don't even have a cat. And I saw, God, what else did I see that was terrible? So I get a lot of diet stuff, but I get... um like fitness for over 50s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I get a lot of that shit. But um, I actually and, screenshotted a, sorry, go on. Well, what about your account would imply that? Like I that's think, what always yeah. weirds yeah. me out. Do you have it, uh, do you have targeted on or off? I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. Like maybe I've turned it off. That sounds like something I would have done 
is turn it off. And the, the you know the thing that really fucking sucks as like someone who has a, a a pretty decent working knowledge of how various social ad platforms work. Twitter was at the time like at one time a very interesting platform for advertising because in particular the targeting was good around stuff like live events and so like you could have this sort of behavior analytics around people who watched certain tv shows so like you know anything that was like destination appointment viewing at one point in the uk it was great british bake-off like you could target everyone who watches bake-off and you could target them with like yeah like dr oak like baking stuff or whatever and it was all actually pretty good return on investment they had like low cost per click they had like low cost per mill like they were actually pretty decent like their ad tech was pretty decent and their placements were pretty decent i wish that they didn't push video so hard because twitter is not the environment for video but honestly it was it it was there was something that was working there now elon of course like scared off all of the advertisers by allowing nazis to roam free on a platform and so unfortunately the only people who want to spend their money with twitter are uh, not great I saw this ad that I had to screenshot and it was one of those like, um, ah, God, it was one of those ones where, you know, they take like a screenshot of like a kind of a TV show that's known and popular. And this looks like an ad from a Russian bot and it's from a company called B squared technologies. And their, their username is B squared techno one. At the time I looked at their profile, I think they had like 13 followers, but they had like a gold check. And the ad just, the ad copy just says, the most pressing question was asked. And then the screenshot says, when he said this, his microphone was still on. And then it, the, it links to a website that says groomerstechnology.com. And then underneath it says, it turned out to be very interesting for people, which is like, this is an ad that's written by someone who I would assume English is not their first language. So underneath this ad that is a promoted tweet, there is a note from Twitter that says, readers added context they thought people might want to know. Scam advert that links to a fake version of a mirror page describing a non-existent TV program. So Twitter has identified that this ad is a scam and yet is allowing the ad to continually be served is very weird behavior. That's like they're desperate for money. Everybody thinks that the check mark is a digital dunce cap. And it is unsurprising to me that they would go for a CEO who has a background in advertising to try and yeah. bring back like some money into what is essentially like a platform this fucking idiot has run into the ground. It's so sad too, because Twitter was, you know, the best fucking possible way to like communicate ideas news like it was it like jokes like it, twitter was the best it's like it's and i i'm never gonna be like this is well no i'm not gonna take that i'm gonna take that back i'm i don't want to ever say that like twitter is a dead platform or anything like that because it's just too painful to think about truthfully but like mm -hmm. it's just such a part of my life you know what i mean like i really just love twitter and I, I know that's like lame but you know when you're a computer person, most people have a preferred platform that they really enjoy. And to see this go this way is just very sad. It's miserable. Like last night, 
Twitter is the place to be for Eurovision because guess what? It's a destination like piece of television. Everybody's watching it at the same time and it's fucking weird. So everybody's live reacting to the weirdness Mm -hmm. in a way that like people, you know, it's got a big population of people who watch football live who will live react to the game as and when it's happening. And for that, it is unmatched. But like, it... I'd be interesting to to see what like bullshit features he wants to build as like the essentially like CTO is what he's given himself is looking after product because it again it's not a fucking product like the value of Twitter is in its user base mm-hmm. like it is not in the innovation and I think that uh I think that our friend Linda will struggle a little bit to tempt advertisers back but she comes with she comes with a, a degree of prestige coming from NBC and also like not to be that guy as per usual, but I really resent when women are brought in to basically clean up the mess or be the face of something like this. Oh, like Erica Nadini from uh, Barstool Sports? Yeah, or our girl who was the CEO of Reddit, who was basically like chased off the platform. I think a lot about British politics and bringing in both Theresa May and Liz Truss, who are look both cunts, don't get me wrong. But these women were essentially there to like absorb all of the like all of the fuckery that the Conservative Party had done. And they get to tap themselves on the back and say that they've done something progressive by appointing a woman as leader. And really, mm-hmm. all the woman is there to do is just like soak up the fucking mess and then leave and then, you know, and then fuck up. So I like honestly, I'm surprised that somebody would want to take this job. <laughs> I mean, it's an insurance policy. It's like much like the way when when Barstool did it, and obviously these are different types of transactions, right? But at the same time, when Barstool did it, it was because they were a toxic sports company that was like, you know, Dave was constantly in the news, whether it be making a joke about like date rape or like some other horrific thing he did and Mm -hmm. just didn't, he wasn't a responsible face of the company. Right. So they bring in this woman, Erica, who I believe goes by, like, she might even have a podcast called Token CEO. Like, it's sort of this acknowledged bit that she was brought in to basically, you know, keep an eye on things, like, keep an eye on Crazy Dave. And, yeah, it's just, um, it's unfortunate. You know what I mean? It's, 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 a, it's definitely a thing. You know, and yeah, it's, it's uh, Shiv Roy becoming the face of Waystar Royco in the wake of the cruiser scandal. Absolutely. Like, just shove a woman, uh, you know, shove a woman on it. I think in succession, what is it that most recently they're talking about Ebba, who's the like the, the Swedish uh, PR person. And Madsen says she's the acceptable face of our company. Mm. Like, yep. And I... I I re- I resent everyone involved. I resent women for <laughs> I resent I resent the bright women who are clearly doing well who like are more than prepared to for the, like for their own social status like take a hit like that. I resent the men that maneuver these women into these positions so that they can pat themselves on the back and also not take the fall for anything and um and call it progress. Like it's it's really icky and disgusting, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And, um, you know, she obviously is going to just be this new, you know, target. You know, it's like, it's, I don't know, how much money do you think he's offering her 
annually to do something like this. Because it would have to be an amount of money that I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have to, after this, if this goes as bad as it probably will, I don't have to work anymore. It's not going to be necessary for me to, if you can keep your life scalable, like at a, you know, somewhat normal level, I might not have to work anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing like five mil a year. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be in the mid to the tens. I was going to yeah, like was, options and bonuses. Yeah, that's my most conservative. That's my most conservative estimate. Yeah, but mm. that's the what lowest do- I would do because even five million is not, especially if you're living in like San Fran or something. Like that's it's not enough to retire on. Mm-mm. What do we think about Mr. Beast being oh, CEO? Oh, so I wanted to just say, so I put this link in the doc when I saw it because I, you know, I was watching some dumb Mr. Beast documentary. And once in a while, I'll check because when he does like an interview, it's basically like a, like he, for me, when he's doing an interview on how to like make a you know, basically scale a product or like create a YouTube channel and like do do well at it. It's like the way that I discussed Grimes sort of having these conversations where I'm like, I don't really know what those words mean together. It's like the exact opposite. It's like a very effective conversation on how he builds his businesses. And again, like I'm just for, I'm like, I'm chronically impressed by this kid. Like just considering, you know, very low, educational background dropped out of community college to just like commit himself to starting a YouTube channel and studied it 24 seven. So anyway, he was on Lex Friedman's podcast. Now I don't know exactly who Lex Friedman is. I will say that this, do you know who he is? I know Mm -hmm. he's like a, he's like some sort of like conservative douche lord like he's the kind of guy that like you would see on rogan or like rubbing elbows with a jordan peterson or like not too far away from like alpha male culture let me look up who he is because i'm sure the answer is pretty easy to find okay so lex friedman is a russian-american computer scientist podcaster and artificial intelligence researcher he is a research scientist at the oh at MIT, and he hosts the Lex Friedman podcast, a podcast and YouTube series. So he, you know, has this podcast where he has on a lot of like insufferable people and has these really serious conversations. This one in particular was really funny because he flew into the wrong state that had the same city name as the one that they were telling him to fly into, and. <laughs> Mr. Beast had offered to take care of his flight in his hotel, but he was like, no, I've got it. I've got it. And like, you know, given the area that Jimmy lives, like, you know, this guy's staying at like at best, like a Drury Hotel or like a Hampton Inn or something (laughs) like that. Right. So he flies into the wrong airport. Gets on the plane. He's been awake for literally 24 hours. It's 9 p.m. Jimmy has been making him go to meetings with him all day. And, like, they're finally doing this interview. And at one point, Mr. Beast is like, hey, like, we're going to talk about things that we didn't talk about today. And it's like, Jimmy, like, probably not. Like, you've just spent the entire day telling him (laughs) how how his business works. 
And then Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, I guess you only asked me two questions I already answered. And it's like that's it's just funny to see like how his mind works where he's just so he doesn't have time. Like this is a man that literally again, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast or not, but he said this in multiple interviews that when he and his girlfriend who lives in South Africa, when they hang out together, their idea of a fun time is to buy IQ tests at Barnes and Noble. (laughs) <laughs> and and give each other IQ tests. Wow. Like okay. they he's in this constant pursuit of knowledge, right? So anyway, he casually mentions at one point or maybe Lex mentions it that earlier that day they had called Elon Musk willy-nilly to discuss the possibility of Mr. Beast taking over as CEO of Twitter. And this conversation was aired 4 months ago. And again, I can't, you guys, I cannot stress to you enough how how much Alex Friedman is clearly struggling to keep his eyes open. Considering they're also talking about something that's like, okay, that's kind of jarring. Like, you know, yes, Jimmy's out there playing, you know, poker with fucking Ted Cruz, like winding up at these like celebrity game nights or whatever. He's clearly surpassed all potential expectations for any YouTuber. I know that he hates David Dobrik. He's got to hate David Dobrik. (laughs) He's got to hate him. So anyway, yeah, he mentions casually that like, you know, he's thinking about, you know, um, he's like, he's open to the offer of taking over the CEO position at Twitter. And I time, it's about 15 minutes. in. if you guys want to listen to that, it's in the show notes. But you know, there was a few things that he mentioned, specifically one where he's like, it's fucking stupid that you can't embed YouTube videos on Twitter, which I agree with that. Mm-hmm. He's like, because it just keeps, it's like, it if you post a YouTube link, like that takes people off the site. But if you could just embed it, then people would spend more time on Twitter. Like really just basic points like that, where it's like, you're Elon Musk and you can't think, of, like you don't have one person around you who can't think of that. Like, Mr. Beast is giving mm. away these ideas for free. And you know, like, you don't he, get analytics though. That's the thing. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to give away too many of his ideas, he says. But he, he also sort of like, you know, he hints at a few things that he would do if he were to take, take it over. I don't know. I just thought this was a really interesting interview. And it was, it's interesting to see that his reach was going to places like maybe Mr. Beast should take over. Twitter like maybe he should be the CEO of Twitter which doesn't seem like the worst idea yeah (laughs) I think I like I would really love to see someone who has a, a like a like a good like ad tech and like decent tech background do it I would rather Jamie do it than Elon I think Jimmy is smarter with hires, though. Yeah. Because he's very, like, you know, he's talked a lot about, in this interview as well, he talked about how he, like, hired someone from Disney to come in. And, like, he talked to a bunch of people about being the CEO of his company, like, basically being the person who runs the company for him. Because Mm -hmm. there's, like, you know, I think there's at least eight businesses under his company, you know, under the name Mr. Beast now. And... Like, he just had the hardest time finding someone because, like, all the old media people just didn't get it. And, like, a lot of the new media people or, like, the YouTube people, like, they just didn't live and breathe it the way that he did. Mm -hmm. He's like, you need to find someone crazier than you, but, like, specifically in the same area. 
And I thought that was really interesting. I have a little Mr. Beast tea to tell you after we're done okay. here. It's it got to stay oh. off mic. But just so you know, guys, oh. I, I'm, I'm in on the Mr. Beast tea. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, very impressed. I'm always impressed by Jimmy. Anyway. I'm going to wrap up this story by saying that Tesla is recalling almost every single car that it's sold in China, which is about 1.1 million Teslas. And it's like, it's not a recall in the traditional sense, but I think it's being called a recall because of how recalls work in China. But basically all of these cars need to get a software update to stop them from crashing into things. And I am not entirely comfortable with the idea of my car being a software update behind and therefore killing me. As someone whose iPhone has been asking me to update for the last six weeks and I just keep pressing later, ask me in a week. So maybe that's not great, but I think it does signal perhaps why maybe some of the Tesla shareholders are getting very angsty about his activities on Twitter. Seems like he's taken his eye off the ball. Yeah. I mean, I bought in on some Tesla stock a few months ago before the earnings call, which was probably pretty dumb, but not a lot. You guys like play money amounts, but like it's not doing well. No, no, the the stock is not doing great. I'm not seeing say. a lot of return on that no. investment. I know that buying regional isn't smart now, but I've been buying in on because I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put all my money in Massachusetts because I'm a townie <laughs> at heart. And I did buy something. No, not financial advice, but I did buy on DYN Dine Therapeutics. I bought in on that. And that's turned a little profit for me already. And then there's this thing called iPoint Pharmaceuticals, EYPT, that has a 100% buy analyst rating. And the shares are only like 587 right now, today, you know, which is Sunday. We're not, market's not open, but hmm. just letting you know, I'm buying regional against the advice of all the experts. So, so. Just me. All right, Tiff, this is what I'm dying to know. You put this in the doc. This is going to be my little fun surprise. <laughs> is this Fox tattoo drama? I don't. I know <gasps> nothing of this. Tell me everything. So this is the drama that's currently all over my FYP at the moment. People are calling it Tattoo Gate. People are saying they haven't had this much fun on TikTok since Cake Gate. And this is a you know one of these classic online lynch mobs getting together kind of vibe against a against a business kind of vibe. So essentially there's this uh, woman on TikTok. She comes on, her username is running mum of boys. Mm. And she talks about this tattoo that she wanted to get. So she wanted to get this half sleeve of a fox. There's an artist that she really likes on Instagram. She reaches out to them and is like, I really like your work. Uh, I'd really like you to design my tattoo. This artist charges $180 for an initial consult to even engage with her. So during this, she lays out the pricing structure and she says that, you know, as it's an original tattoo, it's going to be subject to a design fee. And there's three tiers of pricing. So the first tier of pricing is $1,500 plus tax. And for that, you get one concept sketch with one minor change. The next tier is $3,500. And for that, you get two concept sketches and a couple of changes. And the highest tier is $6,000. And for that, you get multiple sketches and, you know, many, many reviews and changes. And here's the thing. 
that's going to fucking blow your mind. This money that's being put down for the design fee does not come out of the final tattoo. So you could pay $6,000 at the top end for a sketch you like, and then pay an additional maybe four, five, six thousand dollars for the tattoo itself. And listen, and listen to me. I don't think traditionally a tattoo is something you want to go cheap on. I have some cheap tattoos. They're fine. Like I also don't mm-hmm. have anything like super invasive. So it's like kind of fine. You don't you want to like if someone says to me like okay this is if i'm not going to do the spend the time and research doing something like that for a fucking sleeve like you bet i would be like yeah that's a normal amount of money for something that covers my entire and it's not it's on the high end but i'd be like yeah that's probably a normal amount of money for something that's going to cover my entire arm if it's being done well mm-hmm. if, what do you think of that price i mean it's a lot but what do you think? It's a lot. I would, the thing that irks me is that the design time is part of the process of the tattoo. And so like, if you're paying $6,000 for a concept sketch, like that, first of all, for a sketch without a needle ever touching your arm, $6,000, deeply unreasonable. $1,500 without a needle ever touching your arm, very fucking unreasonable. Yeah. Very fucking unreasonable. Yeah. So this mom, she like sends reference photos. She's like, you know, I can't really afford any of the higher tiers. So I'm going to pay, you know, $1,500 plus tax for this woman to do my tattoo sketch for me. And then, you know, when it's all said and good, then I'll do the next bit where I get the tattoo. So a couple of days later, she receives the sketch that she paid $1,500 for. And I am going to send you a screenshot and I want to tell you, I want to find out. Just give it a look and tell me if you think that this sketch is worth $1,500. Okay. I will tell you, no, Tiffany has put together a little, I would say, a tableau of five. <laughs> and you've really put out the story here of five different TikTok videos that are linked in the show notes. Let me see. Now, okay. Um, okay. So what's with all the bullshit around it? Are these things that'll wrap around the arm? Like these flowers? I guess so. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is the fox going to be full color? I mean, who knows, right? Because uh, what are you seeing? <laughs> it kind of looks like wagon stuff a little bit. I mean, it looks it looks like like if I was in senior art class and I drew this, this would have blown me away because I am not good at art. <laughs> I would say you need to like Photoshop for me what the colors are going to look like or something for fifteen hundred dollars yeah i'm gonna need to see like almost a 3d model of this bitch because i i don't want to be like i'm not the greatest artist in the world i could draw this for free well you make our amazing art every week so i know you could (laughs) but yeah this is um so it's not in color to describe it basically it's a there's a little bit of blue for the a very rough pencil sketch outline of a fox's face and then there are some i would classify the flowers that she's drawn as doodles like i have doodles that are very adjacent to this in my notebook for when i'm in meetings yes i would say that's exactly right this looks like something that you would i've sat i've sat next to some people who are more talented artists than i am at, at jobs or whatever and this is 
definitely closer to something that they would like shit out during like a 15 minute meeting. Right. Just like mindless doodling. So our friend running mom of boys goes back and is like, I'm not happy with this. First, and the first thing she's not happy about is the fact that she said that she wanted a full fox. So the reference pictures she shows very clearly are a full fox with a tail. And then also just like the quality of the sketch for the money that she's paid, knowing that this doesn't even, this, this is it. This is, she's paid $1,500 for this picture, basically. And this is like with, uh, isn't this supposed to include some revamps? Uh, this is allowed one minor change. Oh my God. So she goes back and she's like, uh, I'm not happy. And so the artist tells her that if she wants her to make amendments, she has to pay the difference to the next tier. And so if she wants that to happen, she's going to charge her $2,262 to make changes to this shitty Fox sketch. I mean, this is highway robbery. Yeah, this is a scam. This feels like a fucking scam. Yeah, and I can't... Yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway. I mean... So yeah. I... Yeah. feel pretty terrible for this mother who's like... Paid, paid a lot of fucking money for very, very little. It's also, f- like, photoshopped on, like, the weirdest depiction of a human body I've ever seen. Yeah, given that the the sketch goes off the human body <laughs> as well. Amongst also the other the other fact, which is that, like, I don't think that this is... I mean, I can't really... I can't really tell, but is this supposed to be a female woman's, like a woman's figure? Because it's just a big arm, but then it looks like it's either someone slouching or it's like, it, like what we're seeing here does, I don't think you see that. I mean, I guess that could be clavicle, but it looks like a person's well, with thing, poor posture. It looks like, it, it does look like a man arm. And also, um, usually, like when I like, as you may or may not know, I've been mulling over getting this. When I say mulling over, I've been like, I'm basically saving up to get this like epic Anna Nicole tattoo with this person that's like very very brilliant, and it's going to cost thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. And as part of the consultation process, of course, I sent him reference image. I, I wasn't charged for the consultation to start off with. Sent him reference images and sent him a picture of my arm. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, you know, that would happen. Anyway, she puts up this video onto it on TikTok. It goes viral. People are just kind of shocked by the audacity of this artist charging this much money for such a poor result. And then also the very confusing pricing structure, you know, the fact that the needle doesn't even touch the arm, all the rest of that kind of stuff. And somebody take, goes and looks for the image and finds this exact fox that's been drawn in this crappy tattoo that's being sold as like, I guess, digital art on Etsy. So the fox itself is traced from another fox picture on Etsy. Christ. That's somebody else's artwork. So I think when I saw a stitch, it was just somebody taking that photo, putting it into Procreate, sketching over the top and just saying the easiest $1,500. Like, and it was like, it's true. It's oh my God. 10 minutes of work. So after this video goes viral, this, you know, a bunch of other people start coming forward with horror stories from this particular artist. And one of them is this woman who, who got a tattoo that was, you know, it's fine. 
but they would charge $4,000 for it. And I would say this was a $500 tattoo at best. And the price kind of got out of hand. She was told that she was going to be charged more and more and more, like they had very poor communication. And so the artist calls the police on this woman because she's like, I'm not paying you. Like you haven't delivered the tattoo to a, to a reasonable standard. Like, and you've, you've, you know, you're saying you're going to charge me more money. This is kind of ridiculous. So what the artist does is she takes this woman's driving license. I don't know why she had a driving license and posts it all over her social media and blacklists this woman with other tattoo artists saying, this is a woman who doesn't pay (gasps) by this point. This woman had paid $3,000 for this tattoo and didn't want to pay the extra $1,000 because she was like, this isn't, you know, anyway. Oh my God. So she, she fucking doxes her. And, and all of these other artists are posting saying like, you know, don't tattoo this woman. She's like, she doesn't pay. Shit like that. So the story comes out and a bunch of people, as they do, want to sort of serve a nice kind of slice of vigilante online justice. So they start review bombing <laughs> lucid tattoos, but they get the wrong lucid tattoos and start review bombing the wrong tattoo shop and giving it one star reviews on Google. Oh my God. Which is so sad. By this point as well, the artist has first of all locked her Instagram down and then completely deleted it. Like, and has been like deleting negative reviews that have, you know, kind of come to her via Google. Google's good about that. Like they'll shut down your shit. I feel bad for, I think it went, where were they? Minnesota? Lucid Tattoos. Anyway, this apparently really lovely tattoo shop is just kind of like, oh, please stop reviewing, bombing us. Like somebody called Jenna Milburn left a five-star review two dates ago and said, quote, TikTokers, this is not the tattoo studio from Tattoo Gate. This business did nothing wrong. The studio you're looking for is in Canada, not Minnesota. <laughs> Stop trashing this innocent business's reviews. And so now it seems to have eased off a little bit. But the conclusion to Tattoo Gate is a really nice one. So it's Mother's Day when we're recording this. Um, a, a, a decently sized TikToker called uh, Matt Vaught, who's an LA-based tattoo artist, he saw, this tat- he saw this whole kind of tattoo fiasco a couple of days ago and made a stitch saying like, this is just really poor practice. This is really poor business practice. Like, I love this industry. I love this art. There is like nothing wrong with artists getting paid and compensated for their original artworks. Like, I really support that, but that isn't what this is. And this is really disheartening to see that somebody is, you know, they're out a lot of money and, and they basically have nothing to show for it. And it gives us a, a kind of a bad name. So Matt reaches out to our lovely mother at the center of this drama and says, I want to fly you out to LA and I want to do the tattoo that you want completely free of charge. That's really nice. I know. Apparently she had hundreds of tattoo artists in her like DMs that were just like, let me do this for you. Let me fix this for you. I won't charge you. Which is really sweet. Actually, It's two for like, one, right? I mean, like in a way, like offering to fly someone out to it's like, you're going to go viral for being the good guy. You know, but what a PR opportunity. Like, why wouldn't you, if you were a tattoo studio, be like, fuck it. Like for the, for the, for the price of a day of work and sitting, we'll get like excellent reviews and clout and like, you know, and do something really nice. No, it's like, it's like the plastic surgeon who fixed Artie Lang's like coked out caved in nose, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like why not YOLO on that? Oh, also remember the doctor that, um, helped the gorilla glue hair girl. Yes. I see it a lot as well in the UK because, you know, people keep going to Turkey to get really 
really bad and I, I'm not even going to call them veneers but get like basically a mouthful of crowns masquerading as veneers and it's just like incredibly brutal dentistry they have they have a real kind of like cut and sh- cut and shut shop where they file people's teeth down to basically nubs and give them like these big porcelain veneers that don't last very long and people have been loads of pain I've seen a lot of dentists and orthodontists basically like have to go in and like do pro bono work to fix these poor fucking people's teeth. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. It's like those teeth, the teeth thing is upsetting to me because it's always, oh, it's so sad to think about. No, it's so sad. You know who has really like kind of like horsey and I hate to even use that word because like poor Hillary Duff had that used against her. Megan Trainer has the worst fucking oh. veneers. Have you noticed that? I haven't. I haven't. They're huge. The thing is as well, like when you have like, when they're being sold as veneers, particularly in Turkey, like because dentistry is much cheaper there, of course, people are going there for their hair transplants and their BBLs and also their gastric sleeves. You know, you can get an all-inclusive trip to turkey with a gastric sleeve for like three thousand pounds like flights (laughs) not included but everything else is same with dentistry you know you can get a full mouth of what's being sold to you as veneers but what they need to do is because like the art of doing a veneer is like in in the subtlety you know you you really don't want to take away very much of the natural tooth but what they do is they they file the teeth down into into little pointy stumps and the tooth is is basically not present. And I think what a lot of people, and particularly young people who are going to Turkey for full dental crowns at the age of like 19, 20, is that like, if you have full dental crowns, this is maintenance that you have to do for the rest of your fucking no, life. No, it's not a joke. Like It's not a joke. The veneer thing is not a joke. It's- And painful, painful. I told my mom I was considering, because I don't like- one of my front teeth and I know that sounds so dumb but I don't like one of my front teeth and I was like I kind of thinking about getting a crown she's like don't do it she's like it's like ten thousand dollars every five years like you have to be prepared to pay that and I was like I guess I'm not that desperado like it's probably Mm -hmm. cheaper to get fucking adult braces at that point totally is like there's a really brilliant woman on TikTok who's kind of who does cosmetic dentistry and she's like, you can basically have a beautiful teeth with straightening, whitening, and if you need it, like composite bonding, and your teeth will be healthy for the rest of your life. Like this, they, they will hold up. What you don't need to do is essentially remove the tooth to the point where all, all that's left is a stump and a root and attach some porcelain to it because you will be in agony for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, they look nice, you know, like at, for a period of time, but like, it's just, um, yeah, it was, I remember seeing like, that was a, tr- yeah, it was like much like the BBL thing. Like that was a thing at one point during core. Mm-hmm. And as you said, but like seeing like 18 year olds shave down their teeth to like vampire fangs. It's not even vampire fangs. Yeah. It's like lizard teeth. Lizard teeth. Yeah. It's bad. For what that for something that could be fixed with straightening, whitening, and a little bit of bonding, much less expensive in the long run. 
but it isn't instantaneous. And I think it's like the idea of just having instant results. But often the teeth are too big. They kind of look like gum shields. They look very unnatural. And in particular, these places in Turkey, if you're paying only £2,000 for a full mouth of crowns, like if it, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, honestly. Yeah. Oh. But I, I do love, it's kind of fucked, but I do love the dentist that will basically like, if someone's really fucked their mouth up, go in and, and say, look, come in and fix it for free. But like, yeah. Shout anyway. out to Dr. But, Kofi, but it's a happy my one. childhood dentist, who I, my mom... I guess my are my insurance because like you know I didn't have a dad or whatever so like <laughs> the state paid for my insurance <laughs> and they but they didn't cover like and I had tried so hard my whole life not to get a cavity because like it's was especially when I was a kid it was like terrifying to like see an adult laugh and see like gray fillings in their mouth you know and so but that was the standard it was like but. <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Kopi, you know, he was going to have to do a silver filling on me. And I just like was like, what you have to do what? And he was like, yeah, I have to do a silver filling. And I was like, no, I was like, nope, I can't do that. I can't have one of those in my mouth. Like, I can't have that. Like, I don't. It just to me was like when you're in high school, especially like you, you know, when you're a kid, you notice things about adults, like how, like when they talk, their mm-hmm. lower teeth show a bunch. Like, I remember that was like one mm-hmm. thing that I was like, oh God, why, when you see adults, are you always looking at their lower teeth? You know, it's gross. And it's because your face, because of gravity. But <laughs> like, I remember crying my eyes out because I was going to have to get a gray filling. And he went in the back room, worked things around a little bit and was able to get me a white filling, which I was like very thankful to him for. And so, you know, it's like, I think like when you're a dentist, especially, you know, it's somewhat highway robbery. Do you know what I mean? And so I think, I think Mm -hmm. that when you can do stuff like that, it's really nice to be able to do that. I'll just say that. But yeah, shout out. Okay. So unfortunately we have to end this show with some very sad news. I almost can't believe that this is Mm. true. If you remember last year, we covered someone for, you know, a lot of younger people might not even have known who this person was. But if you were someone my age, you almost definitely do. Heather B. Armstrong, a.k.a. Deuce, we had covered a story about her, about a really upsetting blog post she had written. And unfortunately, we found out the other day that she had taken her life. She'd passed away by suicide at age 47. Mm. And so, you know, Heather had a very, very long, very public, and in some ways, one of the many reasons why people were so endeared to Heather, in addition to her being really a trailblazer and, you know, very, very funny. Like, she just, you know, was very known for speaking publicly about her mental health struggles that, you know, started when she was in college were worsened when she went through pregnancy. You know, she had two kids and she did, she was someone who wrote very openly about doing a week in like a mental hospital, essentially. Is that okay to call it? A mental hospital? Mm-hmm. After her first daughter was born, she had such bad postpartum depression. And I know that she didn't, 
she had gone off of her antidepressants when her first was born or like, sorry, when she was pregnant with her first, because like, especially at that time, I mean, it must, you know, Lita is 19 now. So at that time, maybe 20 years ago, it was sort of, there was less research on what taking antidepressants would do to a fetus. And so she had just sort of gone off of her medication and then didn't get back on it right away. And, you know, had some really scary like ideations or whatever. And was very honest about that. It was very honest about sort of the high points, but then also the complications of being a mom, like the parts that are just difficult. And, you know, despite having started out not a mommy blogger, I think that she was responsible for an entire generation, two generations, I would say, of people picking up their laptop and starting blogs, including, I would say, myself. You know, I was a writer, but I was not a confessional writer the way that she was. And I think that I started to feel like, oh, it's okay to write about your daily life or like the trials and tribulations or reflecting on stories or whatever, if this woman's doing it. And then to do it to the success that she did it, she was one of the first people to, I mean, she was, I think she was probably the first person to monetize being an individual and sharing her life, which as we know, Mm -hmm. is a booming business these days. Like this is a... Mm -hmm. This, this is the norm for like a lot of, you know, the same Heather probably indirectly inspired Mr. Beast. <laughs> you know, the way that people like share online is I think she was really one of the first people who did it. It was considered like uncouth. It was considered dangerous. Putting your name on something was a whole different thing back then because you just you know, you just didn't share who you were online. You used, you know, you never said your first and last name. And, you know, Heather had come clean. I don't want to say come clean, but Heather had admitted that she'd had a very intense secret struggle with drinking for many, many, many years. She basically essentially made it seem that there was basically never a point that she wasn't binge drinking all day, every day for years. And it sounded like it went back very far. Now, Heather was also known for her hyperbole a little bit, but she described, you know, like hiding booze in the house, like in the bathroom, there'd be like a little bottle, like an unlabeled bottle in it. And like in in that there would be vodka Or like, you know, behind a plant or something. Like there was just alcohol hidden throughout the entire house. And she had gotten sober. She had gone on this like pretty crazy turf rant, which is turf isn't even, she was like anti-trans mask specifically when her youngest had sort of, I I think, I believe at the time it was announced that they were non-binary. And so, and I don't want to use, you know, that kid's name because I don't know what it where we stand with it now or whatever, but that's the, that's when you would have maybe first heard of Deuce if you only know of her through this podcast. And then later came out with the news that she was diagnosed with anorexia. And so Heather was just not doing great, but her being sober was somewhat of a good sign because, you know, she sort of, a lot of people were worried about her. Let's just put it that way. To put it mildly, I think a lot of people tuned out of her blog because she had just changed a lot. And then also, for me anyway, you know, I was reading a blog 
like every day for like 10 years, like multiple times a day. I had it on my Google reader, like refreshing the page because I always wanted to see if there was a new picture or a new post. And, you know, I was disappointed when there wasn't one. And I was delighted when there was. And then like, you know, life caught up a little bit. Like she got divorced, which I remember feeling there was like a, it seemed like there was an era where all the early, early bloggers were getting divorced. And I was very like, what's going on? Like, they're all getting divorced, like, you know, which is somewhat common, but I had sort of fallen off from reading her. And then, but occasionally, like maybe once a year, especially in the last like five years, I'd check in and see what was up with Deuce. And her writing had started to become somewhat unrecognizable. And unfortunately, that was one thing that never really returned, even after she had gotten sober and it was just Heather was different. You know, I don't know what else to say ex- about that. Um, she had also un- undergone a really experimental treatment for her depression where she was like her brain was essentially like flatlined 10 times with Proferol over the course of I believe it was like a week or two. And she was the third person to ever do this experiment. And it just, you know, that is also something I have a friend who also, you know, died of suicide many years back. And she had been undergoing a somewhat new form of depression treatment as well that involved like zapping the brain. I'm seeing that that form of uh, therapy pick up on TikTok right now. But I you know, I I will say this is if I'm going to be like Rogany for a second, I'm very sus about anything that has to do with like potentially like new depression treatments like that come out. Like it's just too, the brain is so mm-hmm. tender. The brain is so tender. You only have one. You can't get it back. Like you can't do a brain replacement, which is the dumbest question I've ever asked. But I did ask that recently to a doctor who does CTE. I was like, can you like, re- is there a thing, such a thing as a brain transplant? She was like, unfortunately, no. <laughs> but I was hopeful, you know, I was like hopeful that maybe there was something you could do for people that were, I don't know, I don't know, maybe in the future. Elon, get busy. But yeah, the news broke that she, her, her partner, Pete, had posted a sort of like, you know, rest in peace Heather B. Armstrong, you know, dates, you know, her date of birth and her date of death and a quote and, and like, you know, people were like, what's going on? And there was questions about what had happened because with some of the posting that Deuce has done, it wouldn't have been completely, completely out of character for her to have done that as maybe sort of like a, I'm having a rebirth sort of thing. Right. But no one was really saying that out loud. Okay. And then it came out through the AP that she, Pete had given a quote to AP saying that she had um, lapsed in her sobriety after 18 months. And she, like the last month of her drinking was basically like back to, back to the old schedule. And he found her at home. And I'm glad that that was shared because I was just terrified that maybe her youngest had found her. Which I don't even know if I'm supposed to like allowed to say stuff like that out loud. But yeah, I mean, 
she's no longer with us. And that is a horrific tragedy. And I feel so fucking bad for her kids who are so young. The youngest, I believe, is about to be 13. And the oldest is finishing up her first year of college. And, you know, I, I would wager a guess that these kids never knew their mom as someone who wasn't sick based off of, mm-hmm. well, honestly, just the way that Heather was so open about her mental health. And then additionally, when she sort of revealed how, how horrible her drinking was, um, it's difficult to imagine that she wasn't sort of checked out for most of their childhoods. Right. So they, they likely, mm-hmm. you know, they likely have very complicated feelings about this. I will say I've had the distinct pleasure of being blamed <laughs> for this already, which is, <laughs> oh. you know, oh. I will, I would like to just say that, you know, you know, the nearly 30 years of, of Heather's mental health struggles that she's documented, I would like to believe that Molly McAleer making a, you know, 45 minute segment on this podcast was not the thing that broke her about a year after it aired. But, you know, Deuce was also the subject of an extraordinary amount of online hate. I've seen people compare. There's like two ways to handle online hate, right? And like they were saying that Deuce, who confronted this hate head on and would often post like mean emails she had received. And by mean, I mean like truly cruel emails that she had received and even launched a site called Monetizing the Hate where you could go and read hate letters that people had written her and hate comments that she'd sort of curated. And the price of like clicking on each page was that there was like five pop-up ads. (laughs) And so she had made this and then people were also comparing her to the pioneer woman who I guess was getting a similar amount of hate. And the pioneer woman is monstrously successful. And apparently she just was someone who never engaged and completely ignored it. But I mean, I'll just say myself as someone who has like had people say some not so like one of the people who like, you know, accused me of being a part of why this happened, which it really was like some TikToks where I more or less just summarized what had happened with that post. Um, Someone wrote, well, that's just what Molly does. And I was like, that's just what I do. Uh, like, I just do what? Like, talk about, I mean, like, I think I'm pretty, I think for the most part, I'm pretty respectful. Like, I never punch down on people. Like, I, I was like, all right. And then I'm like, you kind of can't even, like, that's very strange to take that sentiment to, like, bully me or whatever. When, truthfully, I was just standing up for trans kids. <laughs> And so there's mm-hmm. just that. But there was some backlog. Do you so are you familiar with Gomi? Get off my internets. Mm-mm. So Gomi is a place online that was started by someone named Alice Walker Wright, maybe. I mean, I remember her from the Tumblr era. And Alice and I actually were cool. Like, I remember her from sort of being more of like a Julia Allison snarker when she and I first met. Like, I had sort of referred her to some people that were like, hey, do you like there was a filmmaker that asked me, like, do you know any cool Internet people? And I had said, like, yeah, there's Francesca Ramsey. There's also 
this chick, Alice, who runs this blog that's like kind of on and popping. And, you know, Alice and I were always fine. And then the second that Hello Giggles launched, there was someone had linked me to Gomi. And there I was on the front page of Gomi as like, a, you know, like Tumblr reject Molly McAleer and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like now it makes sense. At the time I was dumbfounded by like what I could have done to have crossed her. Right. And there was a a few people online that I, that felt crossed by the, the venture of Hello Giggles where I was sort of just sitting there being like, aren't you glad I'm like kind of out of my miserable financial situation? (laughs) But so anyway, I guess Gomi, I never really checked in there often. One, because I was terrified to see if there was something mean written about me there. But two, there was a lot of conversations about influencers and bloggers that I had never heard of. Like they tend to focus on like mommy bloggers, like, you know, people who post fashion stuff, like just sort of like Instagram people. So Ramshackle Glam, who coincidentally was a part of the whole Julia Allison crew back in the day, non-society was the name of her company. And they sort of were the first in a way like collective of influencers to get together. And like really Julia Allison, her worst sin was just being ahead of her time, truthfully. And like you can mince words about that. I'm sure she did terrible things. I just don't really remember most of them. But Ramshackle Glam took to her Instagram after hearing the news of Heather's death and wrote in a text post, I hope you feel culpable, you awful fucking human. I tried to DM you this, but you're too much of a coward to allow comments or DMs, so hopefully this reaches you. I'm pretty fucking upset about the Deuce news. I hope that this helps you understand finally what you have participated in. And yes, mental health, but please know that you've had a hand in this. I have my own mental health struggles separate from influencer culture, and of course Heather did as well, but the hatred you unleash isn't something anyone should have to, quote, deal with. Fuck you, Alice. And then she wrote in the description, I'm broken at the at deuce news broken. Yes, the mental health problems are to blame. Only Heather knows what drove her to do this. But as someone who also has struggled with depression, suicidal ideation and addiction, and also as someone who's lived through the very singular experience of putting your life online before that was an asterisk thing, and who expressed the absolute tsunami of targeted hatred deliberately inflicted by Alice Walker Wright, NYCAW, who was too cowardly to even allow comments, DMs, or tagging. I know the kind of havoc that these people wreak on actual human lives. I've never, I never met Heather. I don't know what demons she was battling. I know that it's society and culture and sexism, but I also know that the anonymous, vicious, jealous shits who are, who piled onto her didn't help. I know that when individuals choose to willfully inflict pain upon another human being for no reason than their own entertainment or ego boosting or whatever other sad excuse a person can use to explain away their disgusting choices that they have real world consequences and I know this firsthand I tried to send the above message to Alice via DM but it bounced back because this hideous person Alice Walker Wright is so insecure and shameful that she blocks messages. So here publicly is what I want to say to her. Fuck you, Alice. 
<laughs> I hope you know you're a part of this, but mo- but most importantly, above all, rest in peace, Heather. Thank you for your words. In your memory, let us all love each other more and better. So, and then hashtag go me. So I was surprised to see Jordan like go at at Alice like this, like in a way that I just in that, like the Jordan that I remember from when, you know, in the Tumblr days or whatever, pretty, pretty mild mannered girl, you know, got mixed up with some, you know, Manhattan blogger girls and sort of like carved out a niche for herself and then separated herself when, when those friendships didn't prove to be the bonding ties that she potentially thought they were. But I I was very interested to see how many people were also pointing fingers directly at Alice. In fact, the New York Post posted about this as well. They did a, a pro like this is going to be in the show notes. Evil comments on site Gomi trash blogger Heather Armstrong in life and death. So I guess Alice, upon hearing the news that Deuce, you know, took her life, was incredulous and was just basically like, "I'll believe it when I see an obituary type thing." Which, you know, for Alice, I thought was pretty like mild, um, to be on to be honest, mm-hmm. but still horrific. And just in terms of like, like God is even this fodder, you know. But I don't think, I I think that Alice has probably convinced herself thoroughly that what she does online and the space she's created has some sort of validity to it. The only thing I will say is I was shocked to learn that Alice is 48. Oh. Yeah. Which, I mean, I know that you're just learning who this person is, but I I thought Alice was, like, maybe a couple years older than me. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. was very surprised by that. Not that it's wrong to be 48. I just had no idea that, you know, I just did. I really didn't think someone who was nearly 50 was running a website like that. But I guess maybe that makes some sense. But I, not to shame, not to, not to bully. If something happens to Alice, it wasn't me. But yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, Tiffany, like, what are what are your thoughts on this? Like, I forget. Like, did you say you were aware of Deuce, right? Right, right. I was aware of her impact, and I was aware of kind of. I didn't keep up with her, but I think that that's the thing. I was aware of her impact. I was aware of her influence on uh, on the world of blogging. And I would say, look, I think my first time kind of really doing a bit of a deep dive on her was with you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was unfortunately kind of, it was tarnished with what she'd kind of chosen to do towards the, like, the, the later end of her, of her blogging career. Uh, which I think is really sad because I was surprised by, and not surprised at the same time, by the outpouring of grief and kind of sympathy and shock from a lot of people who make their living talking on the internet and and talking about how influential she was. Um, and so when it happened, when I was on Twitter, I was just looking at people who were like, you know, holy shit, without Deuce, I wouldn't have started blogging. Or I wouldn't have started doing this or whatever. And so I was kind of sad that that was my my real proper kind of introduction to her was a a little bit later on. And I think it is kind of, it is sad that that's what is coloring maybe 
the opinion of her because of because of what was going on towards the, the latter half i would say like i did a lot of thinking about the way that we covered her and what i will say is that like from what i remember you have always been very fair and i would say like the tone of the episode that we did was was more in kind of just ex- sort of exasperated disappointment than anything else and and the need to hold somebody accountable for what can be incredibly harmful behavior that will have like a very direct impact on her family and so i always took your coverage of her through a kind of compassionate lens and i think like the same is true for now like she can be very influential and can have kind of shaken up the landscape of like creators and influencers and writers that we know today and she can also have said some pretty some pretty damaging things like the two things can be true at once and they can be held in the same brain like they can occupy the same space the other thing that i was thinking about as well is like I'm in this like old school like YouTuber group and I noticed that like this creator by the name of like Zipster08 who was kind of pretty prolific back in the day had recently died Mm. and with that news and the news of like Heather I was thinking wow we're really at an age now where we're going to start seeing some of the OGs like the building blocks of the internet that we know and love are going to kind of they're going to kind of start disappearing and that made me feel a little bit sad because it really has influenced the culture dude we're that age like i'm that i mean i'm definitely that age and i have people that i consider to be peers who are maybe a little bit older than me but not so much and we're that age that people are passing away and i do also want to bring awareness to the fact that like you know deuce's age bracket was one of is one of the highest rates for suicide And I was also seeing that in women specifically, it's slightly more common and that people are sort of investigating or considering that, that, that this is sometimes a maybe not so uncommon reaction to menopause. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was interesting, you know, um, just in something to consider and be aware of and maybe be thoughtful of. I don't know if like, you know, you want to hit up your friends and be like, hey, you going through menopause thinking of you. But like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I do think it's important. That's an example of, you know, one of the many friends you should be checking in on from time to time. But, you know, I will say this. I think that where I was coming from with that episode when we discussed the post that she did where America is wrong was the name of it. It's it's almost a credit to how good Deuce was when she was great because maybe even inappropriately so, I grew to care very deeply for her kids. Mm-hmm. And that said, like, you know, I to see anyone bully them but specifically their own mother and in in a way that is so harmful i worry about trans people a lot in our country and in the whole world and i worry about trans kids a lot because they are carrying the brunt of a lot of bullshit right now they have been unfairly targeted as a political issue And just some of the things that are the wild conclusions that people have leapt to about surgeries being done on minors, for example, which is only in a very, very, very rare instance, very rare instance done when like the other option is that child taking their life. 
And there's a lot of people that they have to go through before they can get to that sort of conclusion. So for the most part, I believe a lot of the ways that that is treated is by honoring a child's pronouns, their chosen name, etc. And I just don't think that's a big deal. I feel like there's a lot of kids. It's almost even a movie trope that like, you know, your goth daughter comes home and she wants to only be called by a certain name now. (laughs) It's like just it's not that big of a fucking deal. And it's very like, you know, amongst, again, sort of referencing Heather's massive amount of influence, like she has a wide reach. And certainly that is that definitely was lesser so over a certain period of time. But if you're out there looking for that kind of conversation and this person who was at least at one point widely read, I believe a four-time published author, you know, she like putting that out there. And then I would say even more so, and this is one of the other things that I really sort of, that really sort of bothered me beside the fact that it felt like she was bullying her own child it was the call to action for those who were those who had detransitioned and the offer to platform them. Because as we also right. know, detransitioning is very, very rare. And it is a it is an extremely vocal minority that puts out the concept that this is somewhat common. So, you know, I mean, I'm not here to defend myself in particular because I think, you know. Check in with me in 10 years. If I've changed my mind about my choice to stand up for trans kids, I will let you know. (laughs) But off of that, I do just want to say that, like, you know, a lot of people, I think, first of all, I think a lot of people had complicated relationships with Heather, even some people within her inner circle or formerly inner circle. I was seeing a lot of people saying, like, you know, someone who was very close to me at one point took their life today if you're having a problem, you know, like sort of notions like that. There was also a lot of people who were, yeah, choosing to remember her for the best of her rather than what we saw at the very end of her life, which I think is a kind way to treat people. Like I remember when Nikki Fink passed away, like how sort of like horrified I was at how many people chose that moment to be like, you know, that fucking bitch made my life hell. And then Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, very heartened by like the one or two people I saw say something about how she was a trailblazer. My friend Laura sent me an article from Jezebel back in the day that was written when she launched Monetize the Hate, which was like Deuce's greatest sin was being a woman online. And I think Mm -hmm. that's like where a lot of the initial hate came from. I think also maybe some people were just not aware of like what had sort of transpired over last year because her readership had sort of fallen off quite a quite a bit but it it's incredibly sad and like you know I'll, i i will always think of her kids you know like they're just i i like watch those two kids grow up so it's you know i'll always have them in my mind you know and yeah it's just uh and you know even her ex-husband like you know my thoughts are with him too because like he's going to be the remaining parent that deals with the grief and the fallout of all of this and i'm sure in his own way he's grieving this as well so there's that but yeah i mean i promise i didn't kill deuce you guys um and this is very sad i mean it's very it's very sad like i just you know she must have been really struggling 
And we know right. she she did. So, yeah, I just want to, you know, shout out Deuce. And, um, yeah, so that's a bummer ending to a otherwise chock full of interesting stories week here on Trend Lightly. Um, but I wanted to make sure we acknowledge that because it would feel callous not to. And it is truly the end right. of an era. So, yeah. But, you guys... Please tune in next week if you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, understood. <laughs> I'm not trying to push the pot on you. What, what else are you doing on a Tuesday? What else could you possibly be doing it's a on a boring Tuesday? Day of the week. That could be, it is very boring, which is why we do this. It's like it's fun. You can wake up. You can be bummed out. You can be excited. You can laugh. You can get some Claire news. I mean, am I pitching it right? There's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, I could. I would even Who pitch knows that what's Tuesday gonna happen is the worst week. day of the week. Yeah, it's not the best. Like at least Monday, like everybody's in it together. Tuesday, I was like, oh Jesus, we're doing this again. It's Monday light. It's diet. I like Monday. Wednesday because that's a good night to go out. Like that was always my go out and get drinks night when I was younger because no one's out on a Wednesday. <sighs> Wednesday's great. Wednesday's almost Thursday, and do you know what Thursday is? Almost Friday. Mm-hmm. So I'm into. And if a you're Wednesday. busy, Sundays aren't bad. I spend them with Tiffany. They're not that bad. I know. And I spend them with Molly. And we spend them All with right, you. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the bummer ending. But it is what it is. And. It is what it is. Had to be said. Had to, had be, to be said. Had to Rest in peace, Deuce. And we will yeah, talk to you soon. Bye. Love you so much. Bye. That look like a double G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the fun Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the ceiling Now watch it hit the floor Now rack it up Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way she was important But I moved her right about the I'm way Delta G's tonight Told her baby I got G's tonight Get a scholarship I ain't smoking on no TAC Low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow Like the tell Shout out TurboTax Tax refund What's another Back to quarterback at recess No rush And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission No rush This ain't UT White shirt orange like a pump Mama call me ask me how college is And I said bust Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.